Hi, welcome to Your Aunties Could Never. I'm Auntie AK and I'm here with Auntie Farah, Auntie Nana, and Auntie Shade. Hi, my ladies. How are you? How are you? Look, I could do this. Yay. I'm better. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like, I'm not going to try to turn like, do the bogle or the wop, but um, for you younger generation, that was a dance move. Those are two dance moves Whoa, from the olden days. But it, it means you move your head about a lot. I'm not going to try and do that. On the bogle. Yeah, I'm not going to try and do any of those things. There you go. Okay. And if you're listening, you can't tell what she's doing. But she's <laughs> demonstrating. I'm throwing my head back and raising my hands and moving them in a circular motion. That oh, is the bogle. I'm moving my head from left to right in a jerky fashion, and that is the walk. I hope that explains it to those listening. I um, think our listeners know what it is. Not I everyone feel. will. Not though. everyone. We do have some nieces. Nieces and nephews will be like, whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Auntie Sade. Why don't you Auntie Sade, man? Oh, don't Auntie Sade really going to try it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Miss, hang on, hang on, hang on. Miss Bashman, 1999, or whatever year it was, never knew about <laughs> the bogle. I knew about the bogle, but the what? I didn't, oh, I you didn't know what? No, okay. I still don't think I'm going to allow you for that one. But. I think it's an okay allow. Um, hold on. I'm stuck. Well, I'm going to go around the table. How are you, Auntie Farah? How are you feeling? I I'm just repeating it. How are you? Probably. Yeah, I'm not 100, but I'm much better. I've got a little bit more movement. Um, I've only just taken a painkiller just now, but that's because I've realised I'm going to be sitting here for the next however long. So I've taken another painkiller, but um, or a painkiller, but I'm um, much better. Auntie Nana, how you doing? I am good. I'm good. I'm good. Fab Tuesdays. I oh, know I need a new Tuesday name. Like, what's a good um, alliteration for Tuesday? Titty Tuesdays. Titty Tuesday. Yeah. Titty Tuesdays. At the same there time. I'm Titty Tuesday. <laughs> we said that at the same time. Um, and Auntie Sade. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's more, but anyway. <laughs> Tits up. I am fine. I'm absolutely fine. I think, uh, yeah, I took a bit of a rest week last week, so I'm a bit refreshed. And, you know, ready to go, ready to make some millions. Yeah, baby. Who, 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 who watched um, Versus? No. Did you not know, watch Versus? No. You go online and watch that shit. That shit was the shit. It was so... It was so good. Like, SWV, Coco in particular, is going to piss you off for the first half. You're going to be like, what's your beef, Chief? But you then... You an incident, no? no? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, she had an incident. She, she, she witnessed someone dying or something. Yeah, that's why. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah she said Chief? What? She, we sent it in the group. It's been sent in all the groups. Sorry, you yeah. must have missed it. Chats there are. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. I, I, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. That explains yeah. it. They're lucky she went on. Yeah. Oh, bless her. Exactly. That makes so much more sense because she was just like the first half, like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. yeah. She had that look on her face, like, I don't want to be here. And she wasn't singing. And the other girls were trying to like you can see they were trying to do that, like edge up, edge her on and, and stuff like that, but she just wasn't feeling it. So it yeah, makes she said total she sense. Had an anxiety attack. Yeah. yeah. 
because she saw um someone get shot outside the woman a woman gets shot four yeah. times outside and blood everyone so she was shaken up um oh, no wonder yeah, yeah. yeah. it made perfect sense because that, that until she released that statement it was a bit like what the hell is wrong with you coco it was like, what's wrong with you? Are your feet hurting you? Because you had on high heels and then you took them off and then you seemed better after you took them off. So it was like, what's the beef? But okay. Yeah. Oh, bless her for coming back. Because the second half, she, like her vocal, all of, listen, Escape, they, their vocals were on point. Yeah. They made you be like, shit, I forgot that these bitches could sing like that, man. Yeah, yeah, they sang. You know, like when they when, when they sang, they they didn't just sing, they sang. Oh yeah, yeah. everyone okay with like you know like I swear Tiny still got loads of charges against her and stuff like is, uh, is she just like miraculously forgiven or no no I was just about to say that it's like Tiny had something to prove because she sang a little accusation <laughs> to her heart out. She she sang, it's like she wanted to prove something, and it was very interesting. Like, why are you allowed out? Um, some the guys in my group chat. Um, they were like, yeah, so what is this bias against Tiny? I mean, T.I. So T.I. gets dropped from everything, but Tiny's allowed to do the verses. Exactly. That's, it's a double standard, though. Yeah, it's, it's a controversial thing. Yeah. It's a, yeah. She, I don't know why she was allowed to come and do it. I don't mm -hmm. know what happened there. But she came to act like nothing had happened, and she sang her butt off. It's, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I can't lie, I'm not, I'm not really with it. Because if it comes out that, that, yeah, what happened is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. But, but Candy, Natasha, Tamika, the rest of them did their the can sing. That's can what sing. I will say. They, they, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. We had a good I old time. Okay, so we've got a little game for you to play, for us to play. This is um, Guess the Song, right? And these are songs from the 90s to the 2000s kind of thing. Um, I, th I think these are really super... Super easy. So I'm gonna no, go act like she doesn't know. Yeah, I know she's gonna act like. She doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. okay. Why do act? I might generally not know. <laughs> okay, so first one is. This is so easy. This is annoying me. The one you let hit it and never called you again. Remember when he told you he was all about the Benjamins? Yeah, told you he was all. Yeah, Love and Hill. Love and Hill. Yeah, do what? Do what? When he let it and never called I, you again. I, I, Remember when he told you he was about the Benjamins? You act like you and him, but give him a little trend. Tip again. How's it going? That one, Lauren Hill. I thought it was P. Diddy personally. Oh, the thing, the thing about this is you said Lauren Hill first, and then Auntie said the name of the track first. I wonder, produce like which way do we go I with who? One point each. Oh, uh, the producer said one point each. Okay, I, next I, th I think I should get an extra point because I continued the verse. Yeah, but I sang the chorus. We sang it together. I should get. I should get. Next, you should get two points. <laughs> I think this one's ridiculous. Um, took her for a drink on Tuesday. We were making love by Wednesday. Oh, Craig David, David, seven, seven days, days or days. Seven days, Craig David. I think I'm going I think everyone gets a point. Hold on a minute. I'm not in the runnings if I'm the games master. No, you're the games master. <laughs> but I said it first. 
No, Did I you know what we need? Next time we need buzzers because this is going to be. I'll go on YouTube and rewind the tape. It's not even fair because it depends on your speed as well, kind of thing. So I'm not even. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about internet speed. Yeah. Know what it should be? We will remix. We'll finish it today, but we will remix. You've got to know the next perfect line. But after this. After this, after this one, and that, that's it. That's the only way it's going to work. Okay, next one. People always told me, "Be careful of what you do, and don't go around breaking young girls." No. Oh. No. Can you finish it? Wait, wait, wait. Go on. Say surely, that. surely, wait, Auntie Shadow should be out now because she tried to yeah, answer. Yeah, she can't guess again. You can't guess again. I'm not that, that wasn't the rules from the beginning. You've already guessed the fourth game. You know what? Fun you lost, man. <laughs> <laughs> People, let one more time. People always told me be careful. It's Michael Jackson. It's Michael Jackson, oh. and it's it. Yeah. Sorry, beat it. Take your first answer. It's, 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 it's Michael Jackson. Jean. Billy Jean. <laughs> no, you heard it from me. I said Michael Jackson. Unfortunately, it goes to Nana because you make it does because you got the wrong answer. Auntie Shade got a point before for saying the artist. Yes, you get a point for saying the artist, but Nana gets two points for saying the artist and the song. That's ridiculous, man. You know what it is? The rules are changing next week anyway. Last one. I stop and stare at you. Walking on the shore, I try to concentrate. My mind wants to explore. The tropical scent of you picks me up. Oh, I'm a serious girl. Um, 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 the guy with the abs, uh, Katie Price's husband, ex-husband, um, Peter Andre. No. Right. So, yes, Nana, and one point to Farah, because she shouted out the answer of the, um, the artist before Nana got the artist out. Oh. No idea. I don't even know who won. What's, What's the name of the song? It was me. Serious girl, Peter Andre. To be fair, I didn't know that. I just heard when she started saying Kate Price's husband, I knew who she meant. So okay. that, it's all me then. I got two yeah. points. Because you never knew about Michael Jackson. <laughs> I got four points. Okay, okay, let's get the comments and then move on. Because this was like crazy. I don't even know who won. I, I won that. I won that. You didn't. You didn't. But I like the four, but you didn't. I got four points. You didn't. You didn't get four points. I'm just saying. Let's move on. Let's get the comments and then we move on. My God. Okay. Um, Auntie Antoinette says, um, uh, yeah, uh, blah, 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 blah. sorry, she was replying to uh, a comment. So, hello, everybody. And Candy says, your competitive sides are really coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> and Candy also says, I forgot how Tiny can sing. You get me. Yeah. It's a problem, though. Anyway, moving on to headlines. This is where we pick up what's been going on. Is in it? Don't we do a welcome to the family? Yes, we do do a welcome to the family. My bad. Sorry. Tired. Welcome to the family. Who are we welcoming to the family, Auntie Farah? Thank you. So I would like to welcome to our family, the Cabs family. All of them, because I absolutely love them. If you don't know them, the Cabs family, they're a husband and wife, and they've got two daughters and a son, and they are, they've got a YouTube channel, uh, they're on Instagram, all social media stuff, and they put out videos, and literally, every time I see anything with them, it just warms my heart. They are a beautiful representation of a black family, and just how amazing we can be, and just are, and you know, this stereotype that 
men aren't there for their children or mums are single all the time. It's, it's, it just shows you that there's other ways and there's other things that we are about. And I just love them. I love them so much. I love all their children. I want them to adopt me. That's how much I love them. I want to be like the cab's <laughs> auntie. That's what I want to be. But yeah, welcome to the family. Welcome to welcome. the family. They are a bunch. Okay, now it's time for What Have You Heard, where we pick up a news story from the past week or today and we get into the nitty gritty of it. Auntie Nana, you're up first. What have you heard? Okay, right. So um, I'm sure everybody has seen in the news and on their news feeds various people with the hashtag um, pray for Palestine. So I just wanted to get you guys' views on what's happening. I'm going to give you a quick history rundown of the 100 year also issue as it is today. So as it took, as it started, um, Britain took control of the area known as Palestine after the ruler of that part of the Middle East, um, the Ottoman Empire, was defeated in World War I. The land was inhab inhabited by a Jewish minority and an Arab majority. The tensions between the two peoples grew when the international community gave Britain the task of establishing a national home in Palestine for Jewish people. Now, the um, Jews claim that this is their ancestral home, but Palestinian Arabs also claim that the land uh, is theirs and they oppose the move. So between the 1920s to the 1940s, a number of Jews started arriving in the area um, and as they were fleeing persecution from Europe, you know, everything that happened in Germany with the Holocaust and, and Poland as well. So they were seeking their new homeland. And in 1947, the UN voted for Palestine to be split into two separate areas, a Jewish side and an Arab state, with Jerusalem becoming an international city. Now, lots of violence have taken place in Jerusalem and the latest spate of, of violence has seen like hundreds of Palestinian people injured, including children. So I just wanted to get you guys thoughts on a possible solution. When you have two nations kind of um, fighting over land, like who, how do you split that land up? Do you, can you think of a country other than Britain and America who so far have been leading the way in trying to sort this issue out? Another country that may be a better um, intermediate uh, kind of uh trying to think of that word that you have for the mafia like you know when they have those kind of parlays like who sh who should be the country that should be sitting down with both states to try and sort it out and also just to add in that Israel is actually only recognized by America so far officially as a country and most of the Middle East do not recognize it as an official country they still recognize Palestine as well but that's all I'm after your general thoughts and who you think would make a good person to sort this all out and if you have any solutions as well auntie shadow um I don't even know from the first person to go to really uh I'm not too sure about the whole Israel being recognized, the way it's been recognized, I'm pretty sure that's on like the green list at the moment, um, just by America. I think it's recognized by other countries too. But 
Um, I don't really know enough about the situation, to be honest, kind of thing. I don't know um, to speak on it with any kind of depth and um, and also being sensitive to, like, the issues and the historical background as well kind of thing. It's just, like, it's, it's just very complicated. And I feel like, you know, I, I've been looking on social media and I'm seeing, like, you know, people like trying to say like, it's not Jewish people, it's a Zionist and, you know, and separating the two and everything like that. So I, I wouldn't want to speak on something that I'm just not well versed in um, at all. I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's just a bit complicated for me, I think. Um, and I, I do recognize that it's, I think it's because it's this issue makes it complicated. If it was anything else, I'd probably be able to speak on it freely, but I just don't feel comfortable enough. Auntie Farah. Oh, I think I'm right there with Auntie Sade. I don't know enough about the situation to talk about it. Um, in terms of who would be best to mediate, between the two countries, I think every country's got their own shit. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know who would be best to mediate because there's bullshit happening in most countries right now. The only country I can think, and this is not even a religious thing, which, which is probably why it works. Um, the only country I can think off the top of my head that split, and maybe because it's Caribbean, um, is uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti that split and seems to work okay. But obviously, like I said, that's because French ruled one side, the Spanish ruled another side, the slaves revolted and they freed themselves. Um, so it's not like it's a religious thing and it's not like an external party has, have come out and said, this is holy land and this is why this is happening. I just, as I said, I, I, I don't know enough about the situation. My heart goes out to people on both sides, to be honest with you, because they feel like it's their land and oh, I don't, again, I could be chatting shit. I don't know. I don't know enough. I, I really don't. It's not one of those topics, unfortunately, that I'm well versed in. And I know that you might think, okay, maybe like Sweden should talk, but do we want a European country getting involved in their business? I, not a clue. That's my, that's my um, answer. Um, when I saw this breaking out, I, again, I, Every, I swear, every time there's the conflict erupts because of this, they've got simmering contentions for what they've had it for 25 years. So this is something that goes on and on. And it just sometimes it bubbles up and sometimes it just simmers. Um, but every time it erupts, I go into it, look into it. I go to the BBC website, look for snapshot, a snapshot of what the history is and what's actually going on. When I hear on the news, Gaza Strip, Hamas, Lebanon, Syria, all the things that are going on, Egypt, and then the left bank and the east bank. And it's so confusing that what comes to mind when I see these things happen is like the soldiers on the ground. And I think in, in any war, when do you, when do soldiers actually lose sight of what actually it is they're fighting for? And if if and if, if you were to sit everybody down, all and this is not just about um and Palestine versus Israel, is every country that's at war, every state, every person that's at war, if you were to sit them down and actually say to, them, to the soldiers, not even the government, so the actual soldiers on the ground who are losing their lives and are carrying out the cause, if you ask them, what exactly are you fighting for? 
And if you were to sit down and give them, like really have a conversation with them, for them to actually justify what they're doing and why they're doing it, whether it would cause, make make them think differently. How many of them are really radicalized to really just like, by all means necessary, I don't care. Or actually, you know, we're just doing this to survive. And if we don't fight, it's just, it's fight or just die. So just fight and just hope for the best. Um, and what I saw in regards to resolutions, it's like, you know, this thing will never be resolved, probably never be resolved. And it's so, it's just sad to me that, and it's frustrating that there's a, there's, there's these places that just will never settle. And when you peel it back and I don't want to undermine or disrespect anyone, but it's about religion. It's about land and it's about human beings. Why is this happening? Why can't this be resolved? Why? And so um, for a country to intervene, I couldn't tell you because I think I think as Auntie Farah said, everyone's got their shit. There's countries have all got stuff going on. I don't know enough of the country. I'm sure there's some little country that's perfect at negotiation. It's always some nondescript country that keeps their business out the streets. You don't hear about them because they're minding their own damn business, politicizing and running their governing their little island or country quite quietly and not getting into anyone's business. So that that's the place, but I don't know the name of it. So that's the place that could potentially be like, well, we've been able to do it. And it maybe is, as um, Antifara again mentioned, um, Dominican Republic and Haiti, if they've success successfully been able to split, it is looking at so how do you guys come to an agreement? Because it seems like, and for me, it's men, male ego, um, religious dogma and power plays and, and politics. And again, at the heart of these conflicts, British intervened in the beginning and America's intervening again. And for that part, it's just always some Western country that's got some strings attached to these kind of arguments. What would happen if America wasn't siding with Israel and then just said, look, we were going to keep neutral on this? What would happen? And then what would happen? I don't know. I don't know. So um, and I feel like this I feel like there's a lot of stuff where we're kept confused. I don't know if it's on purpose, but we're kept confused about what's going on. So, the, and to the point where we feel so scared to even talk about it freely because this effect, this erupts. If this erupts, it becomes another world, it becomes another, in quotes, world war potentially. Then we have people that we know, and people that know army families and stuff, they get sent to war and all those type of things. If Britain decides to get involved, it turns into a thing. So it affects us, but we are kept so confused. We don't feel confident to, com to talk about it. It's really bad. I, I just, I don't know. Um, it, it angers me and it's upsetting that this is going on. So I can't tell you a country. Auntie Nana. So the other questions that just popped into my mind is um, if you think, because I always wonder how, how did the Holocaust happen? Like how was it allowed to happen? How was it allowed to take place for so many years that so many millions of people were killed? And seemingly it took, a while before the world joined in to fight against the Nazis. So in the same way, that's kind of like what pops into my mind. It's, it's like, is this what takes place? Does, is everybody a bit like, oh, I don't know, or I don't know enough about it, or I don't know what's going on, or I shouldn't speak on it. So it goes on for longer, then millions of people die then everybody is like, oh my God, that's really bad. It's like, is, do you get what I mean? It's like, is this, are these the beginning traits? But then let's go even further back. Settling in land and taking over land, is that not how America was made? 
it's you know when you think of the historical implications it's like oh this is how you acquire land though you settle there you have conflict and then the land becomes yours because there's so many you know it's like the years go on and the families are established and then it's even harder to be like actually this land was never yours if the land isn't yours you know it's it's complicated because historically you have the tribes that were banished from that land. So again, it's like, well, I, I keep on going back to even South Africa or Zimbabwe and white people being there and feeling that, but I've been here for two or three generations. So this is my land. And then other people coming and being like, no, it isn't because of the way that you obtained your land in the first place. When, how do, how do you even settle that? Because in Africa, we've all been quite firm in, no, it's not yours. But then it seems like when it's further, further away or involves Israel, there's more of a hesitant to actually be like, you can't, you can't do this, you can't do that. I find that way more interesting for the test of history. Is that exactly how it was for Nazi Germany? Were, were people so hesitant? to actually be like, you can't do this to these people until they had gone too far and it was millions. These but I are think just that's why, thoughts. But I think that's why I said that I don't think any Europeans should get involved, whether it's Switzerland because you think they're neutral or not, because the, everyone's got blood on their hands. And it is like you said, the Americans are now involved, where who started this in the first place? Who said settle here? The British, right? Yeah. Wasn't that from part of the history that you said? Yeah. So why should they get involved? And then you, when you look at the Middle East, there are countries included in the Middle East that aren't the Middle East, they're in Africa. So it's just all hella complicated. I think you're onto something there where you say it gets, it gets into generations and generations have been there so then it becomes their land and do you get them to leave do you have a right to get them to leave because then i suppose that's like if you look at us we, we've come here and we our, our families have settled here yeah we are part of the you know what was the colony but we've settled here but haven't we got a right to be here but again i have to just keep stressing i do not know enough about the situation on both sides to be able to say anything I'm going to look into it now. I'm going to read a bit more about it, but it isn't one of the, because I don't know about it. And I'll be honest with you. I'm more interested, not interested. I'm more aware of what happens within our own community than in this community. I, I just can't, it's not like I'm not commenting because I'm scared. I'm not commenting or saying stuff because I don't know enough about it. So I can't say one way or another what who should come in and who should help. No, I, I, I'm totally, I can't lie, I'm blatantly nervous. I'm blatantly nervous about having this conversation because at the end of the day, if you say in this day and age that we live in at the moment, if you say the wrong thing, whether it's now or um, and someone picks it up now or they pick it up in five years, that could end you. Do you know what I mean? Like we've seen it happen time and time again. So I think that there's a real, um for me anyway there is a real fear about saying the wrong thing which which i don't want to do i don't want to sorry i'm just gonna um i don't want to offend anybody or anything like that but what i do think is what i do think what we're seeing on social media and, and how this is spreading in this way is that people cannot or will not they don't want to see people suffering 
regardless of which side that you're on, they don't want to see people suffering. And what it looks like at the moment is people are suffering. So I, I think that this is a real push, maybe like a, a, a shift, like a, a, a mental shift on like the pushback of war and what it means to actually, you know, exist in this globe. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, how can, how, how do we, how do we all get along without oppressing each other? That, that's basically what it is, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm hella nervous. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm scared, man. I think that's the bit that, um, you just made an interesting point, and that's the bit that, that gets to me, that I can say I'm worried and concerned about, is people's safety on both sides. Like, there's, there's people dying. So that sort of thing concerns me, and that sort of thing touches my heart, and, you know, and in terms of of war, fucking hell, like, people need to look into what they I think Auntie, Auntie AK, you said something. Do the people on the ground agree with what's happening? But that's the case in most wars. You know, the people that they send out there, if you, unless you've been drafted, the people that are, they sign up for this, they sign up to represent whichever country or religion or whatever it is that they're, you know, um, uh, what's the word serving that's what they do and they you know that you don't really hear them talk about whether they think that it's right or it's wrong they just know that they pe they are patriotic patriotic to the cause that they are serving for the country that they are serving so that that has always been a slight issue to me i'm talking about people that not necessarily as i said not people that get drafted because a lot of people that get drafted, they have no option. They're, you've, you're being told you're going to war. But I'm talking in, about the people that get signed up As far up for as it. I know, in Israel, that is. When I went, um, definitely, I'm sure it's from 18 to 21, it's mandatory. You have to serve in the army. Wow. So that's the standard. Like, being... the. Um, I stayed in Tel Aviv, stayed, so I was in the capital, and just seeing so many soldiers that are really young, like, you know, it's 18-year-olds walking around with huge guns is frightening in itself. But, yeah, that's, I guess that becomes cultural, doesn't it? It's like you go into the army. This is part of your national service. So then whatever the, um, the thought of the day is, for what the army is going to do, you're going to have that embedded within education and you can't opt out of it. It's something that you do. It's national service. So it's, I think it's very different. Um, and it's an interesting prospect to actually speak to soldiers to find out what their actual views are. But a part of being within an army though, do you, is that something that's even addressed or anything I, I would think that most people you're not going to be sharing your views because you're going to have that kind of systematic institutionalized mentality I follow orders and yeah. it's, it's certainly if you're drafted if, if it's like uh, if it's like um you said auntie nana where you have to it's national service you have to then even if you do have these opinions you're not going to voice those opinions are you because you have to serve whereas the people that it's they make a conscious choice. I want to be in the army. I'm going to go and represent my country. I think that most of the time they're just like, well, this is what the country have said, and the queen and country. You hear that all the time, don't you? So yeah. I think I think um, so. They have national service in Nigeria too. So it happens in like lots of different countries where you have young people that have to serve, 
like at, certain, at least a year or something like that. So that happens yeah. in different countries. But like, I think, um, what do you call it? I think like what we're seeing is when, and, and obviously, caveat, I don't really know what's going on, but I think what we're seeing is when extremism is in power. That's, that's basically what's happened. And from our perspective, a very Western British perspective, we see anti-Semitic stuff, we see Islamophobia, we see <laughs> we see all of that. So it's it's like a very unique perspective, seeing that from where it's to a certain extent, it's not really concerning us. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. It's like we're yeah. on the outside watch watching this happen. And you know, it's not um it's just not the <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, but like I I I just think that is it's what we're seeing as extremism, and I think that it's getting confused with everyday people. Do you know what I mean? Whatever they believe, that's what I think is happening at the moment, and I think it's very oh, dangerous. I just don't. I think it's very dangerous. I think I, I, I really do, and I don't. I don't know whether. What do you mean? I think it's just which very, part is dangerous. It's a very dangerous narrative to kind of not separate extremism out of a religious group. Do you know what I mean? So you'll have Islamic extremists and you'll have a normal, like, um, Muslim. Do you know what I mean? They're not the same thing. Just like yeah. in Judaism, we have extremists and then we have normal Jews. Like, it's not the same thing. But I think, like, the way it's being reported or shared, it's like, it's all one group. And it's not. Like, you can't put the whole country doesn't support this that's not a, that's not a truth that's not a fact do you know what yeah. I mean it's just that the powers that be have pushed this forward and it's happening do you know what I mean I, I, I think that's that's generally been from what I've seen or l let me go for my own thoughts I think the separation between the state and a normal Jewish person I totally get that that it's not, I haven't, I have quite a few Jewish friends. I haven't seen any of them really be like, what's happening in Palestine is how it should be. Like the thoughts are the violence is extreme and there needs to be some type of reconciliation. Like we really need to go through peace talks to actually sort this out because people are, are dying and starving and are not allowed to travel. And there's all sorts of atrocities that are taking place. But for me, it's more the hushing of being able to talk about it because it gets lumped together. And I think that's by design. So that stops a groundswell of people actually being like, what's taking place is not OK. Whereas other countries, you could say that you could be like, what's taking place is not OK. And there could be much. But it seems to get lumped into if you're saying that this isn't OK, then you're being anti-Semitic. And it's like that, that the two are not the same. Nobody should have that much power, though. Like, nobody should be beyond being told what you're doing is wrong for any country. Like, in, in either way, the, I think the same for Saudi Arabia. Nobody should be outside of being like, what you're doing is not OK. The same for China, how they treat Tibetans. It's like it shouldn't be, we shouldn't be chastised for saying what they're doing to this ethnic minority group is wrong. It's I, I, that's how I see it. But I do, I totally understand your point. And I think that's what's being strongholded to stop people really exploring 
what is going on because it gets lumped into being anti-Semitic when it's like it's not factual, really. I like think... Israel shouldn't be the 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 kind of symbol for all Jewish people. I think the problem also is there's so many of um, escaped, you know, they we, people flee the countries that are being persecuted or at war. Then they sit in um, the Western country or the country they've escaped to and they criticize from there where their power is not felt effectively in the land that needs them. So there's lots of discussions about peace talks outside of the country when you need to be in the country. But yet if you're in the country, you're risking your life and your family and your future. So why be there risking death? when you can be somewhere potentially safe. But I think that's another problem because as always, there's the talent drain, educated drain, the politics drain, when everyone leaves the country or conflict to go somewhere else because they can't stay there. And I think that's a problem because then the powers that be can easily dominate the people that are there who are living in fear, who feel like they've got no other choice but to fight. And again, with the soldiers, either they, by force they have to go into um, and go into battle or how do you how do you speak out against it you'll just get killed and in countries that don't have so-called western rule like west kind of fakes its um democracy but it does have some sort of protective rule that's why people escape to the west and um, at least you can possibly have a, a, some sort of semblance yeah. of free choice but if you're in a country that like our countries and other countries like that you're not speaking out against any government and living you're literally going to get shot and it could be your neighbor that shoots you do you know what i'm saying is that is that volatile? So I think, I don't know, I, you guys have all said it, but I just, I feel like it's what we need, what would maybe make a difference is people from those countries going back and taking a stand. But that's that's an impossible ask, I think. I think it's a really impossible ask. Yeah, because it comes with so much danger for them, doesn't it? It's too much danger. I mean, I just wanted to, I mean, Andrew Yang is some American businessman, Chinese-American business yet. Man, and the tweet that I saw, he he tweeted, he's not afraid to stand by the people of Israel. And he said, I'm standing with the people of Israel who are coming under bombardment attacks and condemn the Hamas terrorists. The people of NYC will always stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel who face down terrorism and persevere. And he's been ripped to shed. Though, if, in, 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 in um, context, he has had 34.3 thousand likes on that tweet. He's had 30.4K quote tweets where people have retweeted and quoted, but I've seen a lot of people re retweeting and quoting and cussing him. So I don't know where that what that means because in the microcosm of Twitter and social media, but the, there's, there's a group of people who are okay to speak up and they don't care what side of history they're on. They speak up because it's their business, financial, political right or their, was it, arrogance that they're confident that we they can say whatever they want to say without um, being held to write or something or something dangerous happening to them. They won't be shut down. I'm not sure. I don't know what will happen to Andrew Yang, but he seems very confident to speak out. But people, and, and there's been lots of viewers people saying, I'm Jewish, what you're saying is wrong, it's just murder. And I think we're right. I think everyone is kind of alluded to the fact that there's a shift in speaking out against war and people dying unnecessarily. I think we've had quite enough of it. So yeah. maybe yeah. this time around, this might be the time where people are like, stop. But then again, from here, it's all right to go onto Twitter and say this is wrong. What does that mean to the leaders who are out there in the midst of it, negotiating arms deals, getting money, politics, religion, and power, land grab? It's all about power. And what we've seen historically, men and power, is a, it's a thing. It's a thing. So, I don't know. Let's get the comments. I, I, um, I was just going to say, the um, 
I would like to see as some type of African consortium stepping up and kind of getting involved in in peace talks as well. I think because we hear so much from America and Britain, who are the biggest arms dealers in the world, it kind of contradicts your how are you to, how are you sorting out peace when you, you basically your economy both of your economies are kind of run on selling arms yeah so really that doesn't make any sense i i think it would it may change how the world moves if more african countries actually stepped into that role to be peacekeepers because they don't have the same vested interest in a war and selling arms if the war actually does happen but then we're talking about the the, the leaders that have been the ones that have been allowed to keep these stay in place, which who are in those deals and those conversations, and because the West wants them in place to keep their best interests going, because we know that there's a lot of destabilized African countries because of the West involvement. So, and also I've always and remember I've always said, where are we in those UN conversations? When you have the peace summit, the UN summit, the African leaders are maybe at the back of the photo. They're never really, yeah. you know, it's always it's West and then spreads out. And then when you have when you see them at their tables, when do they ever cut to? And the only time they cut to um, any African leaders if something's going wrong or they're doing something like for or any foreign leader that's not is insignificant to the, who the, who's important who they think is important in the political conversation when they're doing something that's um, off the cuff or not in line with what the Western idea of what negotiation how negotiations could should go. I would be great, but I think that how. I, I have more. I have more optimism that a change of um, um, perception and mentality is on the rise, and I think that's a step. Like actually, the only reason why the West is so um, has the world power is alliances, is arms, is money. But it's, you also need to control borders. So if you're actually getting involved in world politics, more so. And being a leader in it, things would change. I think that's a yeah. that's a that's a way forward. I'm not saying it's an easy one or anything or attainable in our lifetime, but I would love to see it. Okay. I agree. Um, all right, I will go to um, Nicola. Says, why don't they do a Trinidad and Tobago or Antigua and Barbuda? Um, if you speak to those natives, they see that their individual identity however i think this is deeper uh, antoinette says why was palestine chosen to be the country split to provide israel with a home um i don't understand why this was allowed to happen and why the area designated for palestine has got smaller and smaller i don't know why the whole know why the whole history i don't know the whole history but it just seems so problematic that I don't know enough to say more. Um, Candy says, Britain makes sure we aren't educated on their involvement in the occupation that uh, in the occupation that region and their support of the Israelis. And Ronald says, America's religious right will never allow us to stop supporting Israel. And Candy says Britain needs to be held accountable for its involvement in this ethnic cleansing. I say that with my full chest. And Donald says the religious right believes that the rupture cannot happen unless the Jews are in Israel. Interesting. 
Yeah, it's um. I think everyone should also watch Exterminate All the Brutes by Raoul Peck. That's a fantastic. I actually meant to mention that. I think it actually um, it highlights so many things that are taking place now. Yep. From a historical point of view, is very interesting and definitely should be watched by everybody. Yep. And and I am not in it. Raoul Peck's films cut to the chase, so he's a fantastic filmmaker. But Exterminate All the Brutes is on um, Amazon Prime. Um, right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, or was it on Sky? Oh, sorry, Sky. My bad. It's on Sky. It's on Sky. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, let's go. Auntie Sade, what have you heard? Me. Okay, so a little bit lighter. <laughs> My story is about Tell Bay, um, which is a train train restaurant in the UK that has um I would say a Caribbean inspired, I'm gonna go inspired menu. Okay. Um, and it has Caribbean themed decor kind of thing. So you go in and there's like, you know, this little drums, colored red, red, gold, and green, um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, they have basically come under fire because they posted a picture of what appears to be one of their like new signature dishes. Um, so in this, the dish is, um, what. Mm, I'm going to say a questionable jerk chicken, rice and beans, and they decided to put a quarter piece of watermelon on the side. Well, not even on the side, on the plate as well. So I was just like scratching my head like, what the hell? Because if you know anything about Caribbean food, you know that's just not a thing. It's just not a thing. We don't, oh, I say we, because, you know, being in Britain, you know what I mean? We don't do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. We don't, that, that's, it's wild, to be honest. So my question to you guys is basically, as this um, restaurant is like Caribbean inspired and it's not black owned, do you think more effort should be made for it to be, try to be uh, authentic? Um, and do you think, uh, what's the other thing? So, yeah, do you think that there's any kind of, like, historical um, racist implications of the watermelon piece? What do you guys think? <laughs> oh, you're mute. Auntie Farah. Making me so hot. <laughs> Because so... there was so much in what you just said. Ah, ah, okay. So did anyone see Sideman's comments the other day about this? So he said, whoever put pineapple with pizza, maybe at the time they were like, the Italians were like, what the hell is that? But I can say with full chest, full Caribbean chest yeah with my african sisters that's not something that we do that's not something that we do also yes there is a bit of fucking racial shit with that watermelon you're gonna put a watermelon with questionable rice and peas as well let's face it those right that rice and peas was questionable and that jerk chicken looked like 
it, it, it didn't even look like jerk chicken. It looked like, you know, like what you could get in somewhere like the Carvery, Toby Carvery or something like that, when they say they're going to make a jerk or whatever, and that sauce that was on it. That's not what jerk sauce looked like. That looked like Bisto gravy with some thickening. That's what that looked like. But it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's not owned by Caribbeans. It's, you know, uh, from what I know, isn't it owned by, um, a sh- well, it used to be. I don't know if it still is, but it was uh, it was owned by a Sri Lankan person. I don't know who the chefs are. I don't know where they come from. But that is the way that there aren't chefs that are capable, chefs from different um, ethnicities that are capable of making food to a certain standard. But those chefs do go and learn their trade because you have to. I'm not just going to start bashing out a jell-off because I've seen you lot make it. I'm going to actually ask you for the ingredients, watch you make it, see what I want, copy your, um, copy your, your menu and then your ingredients. And then maybe when I feel a little bit confident, add a few things to it. But you're not going to see me slicing up bits of watermelon and putting it in jell-off. It's just not going to happen. Like, I don't, I just what don't understand. Huh? What if they actually did that? What if they, like, oh, they saw the process and then it was just that, you know Then what? it's worse. Then it's worse. <laughs> then I'm more offended that you think what you made was better than authentic Caribbean food. That actually makes me more offended. Because as I said, that was, the rice and peas looked like it didn't have a fucking ounce of coconut in it. And you've got to put some coconut in your rice and peas blood. You've got to... And it's awful, right? Awful. Secondly, as I said about the jerk chicken, that's not what jerk chicken looks like. Jerk is an actual method as well. If you want to put a sauce on with a jerk, you can, but that's not the sauce. That was a thick oxo gravy with lumps in it. (laughs) That's not like, no, no, Bisto. That's what it is. Just, just no. It's offensive. I don't know if they did it to maybe try and get some publicity. Is that why they did it? I have no idea what, because everyone's talking about Turtle Bay now, aren't they? And the restaurants have opened back up. So maybe they're hoping that people are going to go there and sit down and order it just for kicks and to see if it actually tastes good. There's going to be some people who think it tastes good, but those people's taste buds are questionable. Anyone I know who wants to have proper authentic caribbean food they're not going to turtle bay for the food anyway people go to turtle bay for the cocktails don't they let's face it they don't go for the food so yeah it's it's a massively big no from me and in terms of i already answered about can other people cook other people's food i think they can if they learn it and cook it properly and they stick you know you can mix it up a little bit but the, the slice of watermelon what are you trying to say no black people like watermelon. I most certainly do not like watermelon. And I don't want it on my plate with my rice and my peas. I don't. No. Mm-mm. Auntie Nana. So I've just gone onto Turtle Bay's website, which I've never done before. And when you go onto it, the first thing it says is Caribbean restaurant. Um, And then it goes into rum, reggae and jerk. Step off the world, relax and live a little. It's the Caribbean way. This is the epitome of appropriation. The thing is, it's not that you can't, it's different other people doing other people's food. But generally you don't see that take place. But even if you were to set up a restaurant and it was like inspired by um, Mumbai 
or Delhi or Beijing or whatever, it would be very different because of the historical context of actually just taking from the Caribbean and making it your own. And this website to me is full of really dubious racist shit. Like there's a picture of a very, very dark man with his mouth open and all you can see is his pink tongue and white teeth. And that just screams of mammy, like literally you didn't even try to, there's, it's littered with people with hats on and dreads. It's just like, could you do culturally offensive 101? This website is that. And, and for me, I think, I think they're trolling us. That picture to me was a troll. Like, it's like using, you're just using black rage to get people, like I have just done, to go onto your website. But I think there's lots of white folk that won't care. It's like, I didn't hear about Turtle Bay. I don't know why black people are talking about it, but black people are talking about it. Oh my God, they probably have great food. And then they'll go along and experience the shit and pass up over their money to these people who were just basically leeching off of a community. Uh, I don't even think it comes to down to chefs. Most people in there don't care what they're eating. They'll buy jerk from flipping Sainsbury's, so it doesn't really matter. I think the company should pay and employ black people because you're taking the piss and you're taking culture and reselling it. So at the very least, you should be employing black people there, at the very least. But th- yeah, just stick to fish and chips. Don't do it. This is this, this is highly offensive. Highly, I one hundred percent agree. I can't stand it. When I saw the watermelon, and it's not even like even if you tried a little thing to do a watermelon salad, or uh, not, I'm not even giving it props. I'm not even making it a suggestion. So don't even agree. Like, but I'm just saying, you just plonked a side quarter of watermelon on the plate. Bam, like that. Are you? That's that's even that's disrespectful. You didn't even try to jazz it up. And you took something, and if you knew, especially if you really cared about the culture that you're appropriating and making money off of, then you would actually go into the history, understand what the connotations of watermelon is. You'd actually take the time, and even if you wanted, I'm not saying you can't serve watermelon, but in that way, no, you wouldn't. That's the most basic way, and historically, that's a very racist, It's unfortunately, it's a racist fruit. I do love a watermelon, but it has lots of connotations with it. You can't do that. It's that the guy who founded it is a... Um, Ajith Jaya, whoa, Jaya, Jaya Wick Rima, who moved to the UK from Sri Lanka at the age of 15. And he said how singer Leona Lewis unknowingly inspired him to launch his highly successful Caribbean restaurant chain. And he said, he's got, he said, my girls were young and we were watching X Factor and a girl called Leona Lewis won it, says Jaya Wick Rima, sorry. Um, and as an immigrant, I thought it incredible. 22 million ordinary people had voted for her. Her race, her color, her ethnic background didn't matter. So um, I don't know, I, and, and I'm this is before I start. This is no disrespect to Leona Lewis, but is Leona Lewis the first person you all aunties think of when you think about the Caribbean and food? So the fact that you come from yourself to say that is Leona Lewis, and that's your story. It was this bait. That is bait nonsense. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not even sorry. I'm not sorry. That's bullshit. And I do think that you have to employ, if you're going, I don't like, I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable that people make money of cultures and don't have any authenticity running through the, through the place. Um, even if you're a chef that's lived in whatever country for 10 years, because a lot of top chefs 
the Michelin star chefs, they go and spend time in these countries and learn all the cultures, take all their spices and come along and then create their restaurants. And that's the part where I'm like, but then you've done that. Are you even, okay, I think we, we've said it before in many conversations, um, you're taking from the country. What are you giving back to the country? Yeah. Or did you do your black square for black um, for George Floyd Day? But what are you doing in to con conquer a racism in that respect? Your your country. If you've got a, listen PSA. If you are not from the culture and you're running a restaurant and that culture has conflict and issues of racism, especially um, as a result of slavery and colonization, and it's I'm sorry, especially if you're white, you best to know that part of your proceeds should go back to that country because you're profiting off that country's culture. And you should, and it's not, it doesn't actually stop with hiring the, a chef from that culture because you could definitely find a chef from that culture. I think it's, because it doesn't have to be black. They might be like, oh, let me hire my black friend, Kevin, who, who, who does know nothing about this culture. Could be any type of Kevin that joins. You need to get someone who's authentic and knows the freaking recipe and knows what to do. Like Auntie Farah said, jerk isn't a sauce or a gravy. It's an actual thing. It's a spirit. It's a vibe. It's like when we talk about jollof, the, the thing that goes that the aunties put in, that's what we have to learn and inherit as the women of the world, well, everyone from the culture. We learn the vibe of making a jollof. That's what goes into making a jerk. You can't come and hire. Um, anyway, I'm, it, it incenses me. How dare you? Piss off. Auntie Sade. Yeah, <laughs> kind of went through all of those emotions um, as well when seeing this. Um, I personally think that yeah, the whole method, everything should be protected. Like, I think it should be like how like champagne is or Prosecco or even like fake Scottish salmon. Um, like, I think, I think, um, I think, I think it should be protected. Um, do you know what I mean? I don't think it should be unless it's like, you know, kind of like at home or whatever kind of thing. I don't think just anyone should be able to kind of, um, you know, put their label on it and say this is what it is. Do you know what I mean? It needs to meet certain criteria um, uh, before you can claim that. But yeah, it's 100% it's, it's appropriation. I think it's just ridiculous to put the watermelon there. I do think it's probably... For PR, I think even that low, I didn't know about the Leona Lewis um, comment, but I think that's that's terrible PR as well, kind of thing. It's just like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Maybe they they are out there, but I don't know. I'm I'm guessing the majority of people, um, you know, that own like Indian restaurants are probably not gonna, we're probably gonna be from the culture. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't see many people outside the <laughs> culture running those types of restaurants even also i mean you do have some chains and stuff but like you know i just think it's yeah i just think it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous um they need to do an apology as far as i'm concerned i think people should boycott them i don't know if they will but i think people should boycott them um yeah and hit them where it, hit them where it hurts like, you know, it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm not here for it. Before we go to the comments, I just have to say a couple of things. So if you go on their website, which I've just done for the first time too, Auntie Nana, and you read about their story, he was actually in Barbados when the idea came to him to make Turtle Bay. Now, just to tell you about Barbados and their national dish, Barbados national dish is flying fish and cuckoo. And cuckoo is kind of like a um, fufu but it's like made out of cornmeal instead. But it's, it's like, I think that's how, when we got shipped over, that's what we did. But anyway, so you can't be in Barbados and want to be talking about jerk chicken. 
because jerk chicken is an originally Jamaican thing. It's different. Like we've all got our own. If you go to Grenada, our thing is oil down. That's what we make. Each country has their national dish. So you can't go to to um, Barbados and say that that is what inspired you to do Turtle Bay because it's it, like I, I don't think if they I don't even know if they've got flying fish on their menu. I highly doubt that they've got that on their menu in Turtle Bay. Um, additionally, the same CEO uh, owns Las Lagunas, which is a Brazilian and Mexican um, chain of restaurants. So this dude is appropriating all the way around the world. Another appropriator that we haven't talked about is Jamie Oliver and his Italian restaurants that consequently failed. But yeah, there's people out there that do this shit all the time. And I'm with you, Auntie Sade. Let's protect our things, definitely. I've, if he would have told the truth, yeah, like literally you've seen there was a gap in the market in it. There isn't too many Caribbean restaurant chains out there other than the only ones I can think of is Cotton's. And I think at the moment there's two and at the most they had three that was around. But actually, like, I can put you in every city and the menu's going to be the same and the decor is going to be similar. Like, there isn't too many that have done that. So you've seen a gap in the market. Just admit it. I saw a gap in the market. Nobody had done it. And I just, I think Las Iguanas is older as well. I just copied the formula, put together a Caribbean restaurant, Bob's your uncle, there you are. But then if you're like actually social issues and my staff, I I, I make sure that it's like 80% are from the islands. Like you, you make it your thing that I'm a good businessman, but I'm going to make sure that, that my restaurants have an authenticity to the culture that I'm celebrating. What could people say? Don't try and make up lies. Like this appears... In all intents purpose, so it looks like a black owned business. Like there's, it, it, you're lying. You basically are lying. But because you don't have anybody, definitely top management doing any of their social media stuff, it just reeks of total stereotypes all over the place. It's terrible. It's really, really bad. For one, they have a whole post on UB40. It's like, oh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even I can't even begin or end with that um oh shoot that threw me right off I was gonna say something I can't remember what the frick I was gonna say um I can't remember what I was gonna say let's get the comments <laughs> okay all right so um T Smith says I think Turtle Bay should stick to making fish and mushy peas definitely um and uh, then Antoinette says, I think it's a liberty watermelon. Watermelon. No, nah, that's rude. Uh, T Smith says, Caribbean food gentrified. Laugh out loud. And I bet the chicken still has blood running through it <laughs> and has to wear a triple tampon on. Oh, Lord. Um, Antoinette says, The Turtle Bay in Brixton has had a makeover and the outside decor is a Jamaican flag across the whole front of the building. Wow. Uh, it goes on to say, I wonder if Boris Johnson has shares in Turtle Bay or if this menu was inspired by his pickaninnies with watermelon smiles comment. Exactly. Um, and I had a very hungry episode there once when they served me their version of roti. 
Yes. And, and I'm sorry, Candice, I'm not coming for you, but I do get mad when we go and frequent these places and give them money because, gosh darn, but I, I will, you know. I've done it twice. Do you know what? I've I been, been there. I didn't know, to be honest. I didn't know. That's the point. I saw it in, I think it was Birmingham or Manchester, and I was just like, oh, what's this? Do you know what I mean? And I was curious, and I was just like, oh, okay, cocktails are great, food was okay, but do you know what I mean? And then I saw it in London because it wasn't it wasn't in London. I think they tried it there first. Yeah, it wasn't in London, and I saw it. And I was just like, okay. And then I think then there was press, and it was just like, oh, oh you're not black owned. Okay, cool. Great. This is ridiculous. Great. I'm just looking at their menu, and it's killing me. They have a UB forty, a UB forty cocktail. I told you, you be forty cocktail, white rum, because it's got to be because you be forty, red wine, because red red wine, ginger beer, and black. it's just like it's so funny. And a Marley mojito. What makes it Marley? What they? Oh, it's got cockspur in it. So. Just for people that don't know, cockspur is a Bayesian rum. So you're taking a Bayesian rum and you're putting the word Marley on it. You would have been better off with your reggae rum that has Ray and Nephew in it, calling that Marley instead of the Marley rum with the cockspur, which is made in Barbados. But that's the thing. I think, and like I say, we don't know. Sometimes you don't know because they do such bait, but... um, obvious marketing that this is uh black owned they pretend that it's black owned so you don't know and sometimes you just want to eat some food so i get it i'm not coming from because i think i've eaten at cottons and cottons isn't black owned is it yeah it is oh it is black owned it's yeah a franchise though so it can depend on the location. um i think the main two people were black and definitely the one in camden that's the only one i've eaten in that's black owned and then what's the one, there's another, what's the one that we went on to for? I think it's in Vauxhall. Did we go there for, uh, and it was. I've never been to Turtle Bay, just to <laughs> say. Cottons. I've never been to, was it Cottons? Oh, it's still Cottons? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been to Cottons and what's the one in Camden? Is that, co- is that a Cottons too? Cotton. There's Cottons yeah. and there's Mango Rooms, but I think oh, Mango, mango Rooms. rooms. Closed now. Yeah, Mango that Rooms is- years ago, I went there and I've been to Cottons. That's where I've been. Have you been to what's that guy's name? Levi Roots's place. No, I've not been there. Place. I thought it was alright. It was okay. And I've been. It's a shame. It closed down now. Oh, oh is it? it? Yeah, it didn't survive. Oh, and I'm interested. What's the um sprinter's name? Are you saying Bolt? Saying Bolt. Yeah, we've been there. We went yeah. there in Shoreditch. We went there. I've never been. That's decent. Oh. Is it still running? Yeah, no, it's nice. It's, it's nice. We, it was well when we were free. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have their food, so I couldn't tell you what their food was like, but I liked the venue and like what they've done with it. it that was oh, very nice. Goodness. I haven't actually eaten. I haven't actually eaten in there. Yeah, the food was nice. Yeah. But again, um, back to back to this menu. They've, there's a dark rum the tonic that you can get, and um, it just says a 10-year-old blend from Grenada. I'd like to know which rum it is, because he hasn't named it. Why are you naming all the rest of them? So uh, is it really from Grenada, or are you just saying that? And he's just from everywhere. Just islands. Just picking the islands. Anywho, I'm um, sorry, Candice. I think Auntie Nana read Candice's comment just so she can atone herself. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, all right, Candy says, <laughs> it was the one and only time I went there. <laughs> I'd know, if I'd known, um, I'd known, but they knew once they served me. I didn't know before, is basically the whole thing. Oh no, and you St. Bolt's one has closed down as well. COVID man's killing the businesses, oh, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that was really good. I mean, that was cute. Yeah. But also restaurant at the top and then it had like a bar at the bottom didn't it i think um the pop well i don't know if the location was awkward as well i don't know because it was a bit of a hidden hidey hole no, it, was right. it was like near bank like by, by, behind uh, liverpool street yeah maybe i don't know i don't know right. i mean I, went, I, I don't why would it fail is it was it just covid when did it shut down I have a quick question though just on the point of that because um I think about this a lot and I go to restaurants a lot but I generally don't think about finding a black owned restaurant when I'm thinking of a restaurant it's not usually the first thing that comes into my mind like make sure you're going to a black owned restaurant how do you guys think about that like really should we actively each time we go out be like we're going to eat at a black owned restaurant yeah for, so, me, for me i think um so just quickly i was going to say that in our last well when we were allowed out we like done a list of like 15 like black owned restaurants like with outdoor seating and stuff do you know what i mean i think like definitely trying to make more of a conscious effort to 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 do that um more and more now i think like if you can like you know that, oh, what was that? Oh, what was the guy's name? That rapper that tried to live black. <laughs> like, tried to live Oh, Killer Mike. Like, that, that's, that's the goal. Do you know what I mean? It's hard. It's very, very difficult. But I think as, if we, like, find places and share them and go to them, do you know what I mean? And try and prioritise them off every, every, everything else. Because, uh, yeah, we need to keep the money in the, in the community, you know? I was going to say, um, there's a uh, um, an Instagram account, and it's called Black Eats London, and they list all the places that you can eat out. That you know, when we were allowed to start eating outside again, they did a whole list of places across London that are black owned that you can eat from. So I do think it's very important, but I do also think there is this stigma attached to black owned restaurants, be they Caribbean or or African restaurants, wherever it is, that you're going to go there and the service is going to be shit. And I think that we just need to get over that. And additionally, the people that own these places maybe need to work on some of their customer service a bit because. For me, I'd, I think for me, it's always about um, buying food that I cook myself, which is it's a bit of a crazy, it's a bit of a, it shouldn't do that. But sometimes it is eating food that I'm going to eat at home. And if it's not as good, sometimes I'm like, mm, I've just eaten rice and I've just eaten that. So what am I going to get at these black home restaurant so sometimes I don't I don't mind eating out but then eating else in I'm eating other foods but at the same time in order to support I feel like maybe it should be a thing where if you do eat out a lot at least make a regular attempt to go to a black home restaurant once a month or once in every cycle of you going to restaurants so there is some sort of keeping money in the thing because that's the only thing sometimes because sometimes I'm like the service is service um but it's more about if the if I'm buying food that I can cook and then when I buy it it's not good enough then I can I, then I'm a bit like Meh. I think that's definitely a thing but I get that if I go to 
other restaurants as well. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, no, you're right. That that you know, and, and especially when it comes to maybe taking the elders out to eat. I know, like, my mum don't want to go to no Western. She don't want to go. Like, it, I, on her 50th birthday, I remember we took her to Mango Rooms and getting some of her brothers and sisters to come was a struggle because they were like, I don't want to go and eat. No, what am I going there for? I can make that at home. So there is that as well, that element of why am I going to go there when I can make that at home? But, is um, there, sorry. Is there a difference between fine dining black-owned restaurants and takeouts? Because I feel like, especially though there's, there's a, for example, just is one of many, um, the, I can't remember what it's damn well called, the Garnier restaurant in takeout shop in um, Brixton. That's why, well, God willing, that um, lockdown hasn't messed it over. But that was, listen, I remember my cousin, rest his soul, lived in there because he wouldn't cook. So he, he always did. It wasn't Gold Coast. No, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's on Brixton Hill. Um, I can't remember the damn name, but they, and their food. And there, I will eat all day long if I live near there. But then also there's a guilt of, am I going to buy Jalof when I know <laughs> my rice and my tomatoes are in my fridge and, and waiting for me to do it. But yeah, that of it, man. I love that. Like there's a I can't remember the name of it, but I found one place on Deliveroo, they like just everything I like. Do you know what I mean? So when my sister's not in the mood to cook, that's me, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Seriously, great. Okay, let's get the last comments and move on. Okay. All right. So um, Red Border says, so basically go to Turtle Bay for cocktails, but take a packed lunch. Ask to borrow their cutlery, though. And T. Smith says, I agree with Sade. If you go to a Caribbean takeaway, then make sure it's black owned and the cooks are, are black, etc. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you intentionally go to a black restaurant, then you've got to, it's got to be black owned. Okay. So, Auntie AK, what have you heard? So, um, I was just a bit saddened to hear about the stabbing that took place at in Selfridges. And it's another one of those conversations that we um, sometimes, maybe it's difficult to have when we talk, when we do want to address our young lads that uh, are um, fighting each other. And actually, to be fair, to be fair, on the camera, I couldn't quite clearly see the ethnicity of everyone. So I'm possibly making assumptions. And, and to be fair, I didn't want to watch the whole video because it upset me. Um, so basically, a man was stabbed in the leg and eight were arrested after a fight in Selfridges in London. Um, uh, that's central, Selfridges is the big old posh store in central London. High-end stuff, designer brands and stuff like that. Um, there's video footage of the fight. And um, it's just, for me, I mean, there's been a few reportings of stabbings and stuff and shootings and stuff like that. But for me, it's like, I think in general for me, when I hear these conversations about stuff happening, especially in this year of lockdown, why? What's what? What's actually going on? What are you arguing about? And I, I'm not being stupid. I generally like. I really have been like, it's lockdown. What? What? How is the beef still continuing? What are you arguing about? What are you so angry about? Um, and I know I'm being a little bit silly, but I really generally feel like, why? We've been in a lockdown, man. I, in my mind, there's some sort of bliss that everyone's going to be excited to be out and free and be hugging each other, hippie style. And this is it. But you know, you're in the middle of a high-end shop and you're fighting because of an argument it probably isn't about, wasn't worth it. And then you're going to go and stab someone in, in the middle of a high-end shop. And then the conversation will be, because my daughter was like, yeah, going to Selfridges now as a young black teen is a problem. Um, she went in there the other day and she got the whole Pretty Woman experience where the person was asking her all the questions. Where did she get the money from? How are you paying? Da, 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 da. So she was doing a favor for a friend and the friend um, 
has just had a baby uh, and she, if people buy stuff for her daughter or whatever like that, she'll give them cash because she's like, so you don't have to worry about having my car to take in case it doesn't fit and all that type of stuff. So she'll give them cash. But as a result, my daughter was 100% race, racially profiled. The security guard was in her lines, line of sight and she said it was really disgusting how she was treated. But she also knows there's an element of um, her peers are um, possibly spoiling it for the rest of them. So I don't know if you heard about it or how you felt about it. Um, I don't even know what my question is, but there is, it's just, okay, would you blame, do you, what would you do if you were Selfridges without, if you don't want to come, yeah, what would you do if you were Selfridges? Auntie Nana. God. Um... I mean, this is just young people, isn't it? It's what happens. I'm thinking, so when uh, I was in college, it was the stealing out of Selfridges phase. And so, yeah, they they would just question you as soon as you went in there. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't freely walk around in Selfridges when I was a teenager. So I guess maybe it's always been like that for teenagers because they know that they're always a bit of a target it's not like we have loads of the stores. I went to Harrods once and I thought the, the treatment was disgusting. And I never went back again until we went for Fenty. That was, it was like a good 15 years since I stepped in that shop. So yeah, I think this is what they do to teenagers. I don't, I don't really know because this is your shop and you know that you're, you're such a status symbol for them as they're growing. And a lot of the time, especially when it's working class people coming in there, you 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 question how they got the means to be in there. I don't know. As a, as a shop, I think how they treat people is how they treat people. And culturally, it's for us to really be reshaping our young people so that they don't see value in these in these establishments that don't see value in you. Like you're placing your cultural cachet in these brands that view you like ants, like you're nothing to them. Your, your, your spends doesn't really affect their profits in any way. They can do without your custom, but your cultural value relies on that label being on your body and that's the bit that's more sad so honestly the way they go on keep 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 on we, we don't need to be in there maybe they should ramp it up a bit like actually like do some real racist shit make these young people rally against you to see like actually I don't I don't I don't need this but there's something that is really insidious about racism that when people do shit to you, you try and prove yourself to them. And so it's kind of like, I can buy something from here. And you go spend your money with folks that hate you. Uh, I, I, yeah, I have no, I think what they're doing is what they do. Like, do what you're doing. Hopefully, maybe people will stop shopping there and they'll actually realise that what's in their brain is more valuable than what's on their body. Auntie Farah. Yeah, um, I agree with you, Auntie Nana. I think this is not a new thing that your, you know, um, your daughter was racially profiled. I remember this happening to me when I was like sixteen, 
going to Selfridges. And as soon as I get into the, as soon as I walk in, the security guard is following me around. And that's Selfridges, that's Harvey Nicks, that's Army and Navy, that's Dickens and Jones, that's Barkers, that's like, I remember that the, the um, me and my friend went to Iceberg or we tried, should I say, to go to Iceberg and they wouldn't let us in. Yeah, Iceberg, old school, they wouldn't let us in. And they called the police on us. And we literally just wanted to go and buy clothes. And they called, they said, we're gonna call the police. So me and my friend said, call them. And we waited for the police to come. And then we said, and then the police were like, well, what's going on? We said, we just want to shop. So then they were like, to the people in the store, you're wasting our time. They actually saw it from our side and were like, you're wasting our time. Um, I think you're right as well about, we have to understand that a lot of these brands don't want us. They want our clout, but they at the same time, they don't want us to be wearing them too much. They want us to big it up because it's all that advertising. We make things cool. We said that so many times, but at the same time, they don't want us to devalue them. You know, think about what Versace said when he was alive and Dolce and Gabbana and all these, all these fucking designers, what they said. But what I will say is that there are a lot more black owned brands coming up and long may it rain, long may it continue. You've got Trapstar who flipping are from West London and they're doing amazingly well. You've got the women in this room who are doing amazingly well and long may it rain. You've got, you know, there's a lot of black owned, um, uh, there's a lot more for black owned people out there. That Recently I read that the highest selling glasses that are happening in the UK at the moment, sunglasses are owned by a black owned company. You've got people that make, yeah, you've got people that make watches. It's just, do, we're doing things. It takes a while. And hopefully what we need is for these youths that feel like they need to prove something. Cause I feel like we've all been there where it's like, I, fuck you, I can afford to buy this. Like, I think part of the reason I didn't leave Iceberg was because I can afford to buy this. So why you let me into your store? Um, let me show you what I can do. But I hope that rather than doing that, people are gonna listen to what Jay-Z said in a lot of his lyrics and buy your own thing. Why am I gonna go and buy Smirnoff or I can't think of a high-end vodka, whether it is Belvedere, when I could buy Ciroc or, you know, we just need to, as we said just not too long ago, we need to start buying from our own more. Just in the same of Black-owned restaurants, we need to support our own. In the same as a Killer Mike going around and trying to keep the dollar within the Black community, we need to do that too. And the only way to shit on these people is to not buy their stuff, is to buy our own stuff, make that popular, make that pop. But yeah, I don't know, man. And as for the whole thing about you said about the... um stabbing in Selfridges, it's very sad, it's very unfortunate, but unfortunately, it is not the first time that that has happened in that area. And additionally, it's not the first time that it's happened by young people, not who were black, but you just don't hear about it as much. That's the problem. Auntie Shade. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. I think um, to answer the question, what should Selfridges do? I think nothing. There's nothing they need to do really and truly. They can't, they, you know, I mean, they probably could, but like to get that amount of press is, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's pretty expensive, do you know what I mean? So, you know, they're getting so much press in a twisted way. It does make them cool. It reinforces that, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, so yeah, they don't need to do a goddamn thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, 
like in terms of like it, it just happening, I think crime is just crime is crime. You're gonna you're gonna get this type of thing anyway. Like like you guys said, it's, it's it's young people. It does happen. It's not new. It has been happening from back in the day. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I just think like. The only reason why we're talking about it really is because um, in culturally there was an artist that was involved. I can't remember his name. Something to do with B. So it went viral because of that. Do you know what I mean? He's probably Bandu K. Say say it again. Bandu K. Bandu K. There you go. Band. <laughs> <laughs> Bandu K. Bandu K. But I think he meant to say Bando. Bando, okay. Yeah, it's probably I actually it, Bando, okay. Bando, I'm calling him Bando, okay. <laughs> Auntie. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the only reason why, and it happened in Selfridges. That's the only reason why we're really talking about it. Otherwise, I, I don't think it would have made the news at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially with someone, the, not, not to trivialise anything, but no one died. Do you know what I mean? Like this, this normally wouldn't necessarily make the news. Um, so it's only just the, 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 those kind of circumstances there. And it kind of just feeds into this whole of, you know, this, uh, I think personally, this ever growing narrative now is kind of bubbling up again, sorry, that, um, you know, the scary black man kind of thing. It's, it, it seems to be bubbling up again. Um, but, you know, I think, I think there is, um, you know, to your point, Auntie Nana, about like, you know, um, you know, uh, not fight, like uh, buy-in from people who, who hate us. I think it is kind of like a statement or it's like a radical thing, like black luxury, like a black person has luxury. That's, that's, that's resistance <laughs> as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, um, I think I obviously definitely buy from my own and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, it's, it does kind of like challenge narratives as well. And I would argue as well that I think they do need us, like in many ways, not just for our clout, but like, you know, and, and I don't just mean us, but working classes in general, because we're more likely to buy multiple of the smaller price items, which actually you sell the most of. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like you need like. If that doesn't happen, yes, it will affect your bottom line. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, like luxury fashion is probably one of the most, um, do you know what I mean? Like volatile <laughs> types of businesses. Do you know what I mean? So I think um, they 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 need to be they they need to be careful because if people do turn away from them, they're not going to really exist anymore. Um, we won't need them. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> Um, I think. Go on. Uh, go on. Go on. <laughs> I, I was gonna say for the the luxury markets, um, it's changed a lot, and the black cachet in terms of actually like the spends for the smaller items that's there, but it's still like last time I looked, it was like five percent because of the growth in the Asian markets. So actually now the driving force for a lot of the luxury is actually um, Dubai and South Korea and China. Those are the mark and there's billions of them and India. They push it way more. What black people do are, are and we don't sell it well enough. It's our culture. It's our cachet. 
And it's not necessarily our money. It's our attention. And the, as soon as we actually really understand that, that that's our currency is our attention. And when you turn your attention away from something, they try and court you in every single way because that's what they're after. They need our kudos and then it sells over there. And so definitely I do think that actually um, displaying lots of different forms of wealth, uh, but I do think there's still an intellectual property that we need to, that's still a form of wealth. Um that a lot of Western societies have capitalized on is my brains, my capacity, like they, they sell us science like they didn't steal science from Africa. And these are the things that actually like moves the world. And, and there are lots of black owned luxury brands as well when you start looking into it. And, and those brands need to be patronized because of our attention has value. If we turned our attention from calling ourselves as an, as an artist Gucci Mane and actually called it something else like it would do it would shift things in our favor and intellectually if that became way more valuable to have smarts to know what's out there to be able to talk um it's not necessarily I think I, I really endorse slang but actually have reason to when we're talking about things that would shift perceptions but but buying from, at the moment, there's not even Italian people. It's like Russian gangsters that own most of the, the, the luxury brands. It means nothing. And it that really bothers me that people really place so much value in having brands on their body and nothing in their mind. And it's so, so I go both ways with Cardi B. It's like I, I, I like her, but I want her to be better. I want her to step up and be more than that because that's more valuable than I have a hundred Birkin bags. If she, with all her wealth, then started to improve her mind, that would that could change a generation. Like really, could actually really do so much to change how people think. Then underestimate Cardi B. I really do. Uh, and I think um, Sarah, I'm with you, Auntie Shardé. I definitely think people underestimate her. Can I say something now? Um, I, I, I was going to say, I was going to bring up Cardi B as well. And I, I, I don't, I'm not, it's not about, actually, no, it's not even whatever. I'm, I was going to say that it's the the conversation that's going on in on socials and all that type of stuff is how a man buying, a, buying their girl a Birkin bag. And it's the, seeing us fighting over stuff that, and it is that thing of people that don't give a fuck about us, um, like literally don't give a damn about us. What has Birkin done for Black Lives Matter and all those type of things? And we talk, when we talk intelligently about what these organizations are doing, the companies are doing, companies are doing, but then we then say, well, it's okay to buy these brands, but it's just, it's like we go back and forth and I am, I, I definitely, I, I can't get excited when I see celebrities, and again, remove it from the Cardi, from like celebrities talking about brands that don't give, they, they, they rely on, it is that, they rely on our cultural cachet and our, it is that, our attention. Um, but then they don't give a fuck about us. And unless these brands, and we all always say it, unless these brands are actually doing something actively for the, for the people that they know frequent or give them the cultural cachet or whatever, they're not doing that, but and yet we're out here. Sometimes we can we're going to we're stabbing, we're fighting, we're killing. Not all, 
and the stuff that makes the headlines for sure, or we're having arguments, big social media debates, driving up the, um, the currency of these brands, and they don't give a fuck about us. So yeah, I would prefer if celebrities talked about Pia Moss or like I said, all these aunties brand, Love Yaya, Everyday Frode, Greens Teas. I would prefer that if that's what your remix name is or the cultural slanguistics is our brands rather than the Gucci's and the Birkins and the Amani's and the um, all the and brands that have over the years a couple of you know a couple of times made fo racial faux pas as well. So that's the part. Um, and to answer the, my own question, like, say, yeah, I kind of understand. I don't think so. I think self-selfishness should improve on their customer service. I don't think black people should feel specifically feel any type of way going into that store. I don't think it's the thing where we should now have to police ourselves from a, shop, a store that's on the high street. We have every right to go into these shops and buy what the hell we like. But it is about teaching our children that the, it's not about those logos logos and label labels that validate you it's what's in your mind and also if you're going to do that let's let it be that i'm proud because i'm wearing so and so black owned brand and that gives me um status not an old designer that doesn't give a fuck about us i, I think you can do both though to be honest i don't think one equates i mean what one like pushes out the other um i'm not saying that like I said, I was talking from a working class perspective personally, and also I think obviously black owned everything if you can. Do you know what I mean? Um, and if you want to, some people just don't want to, you know. And we do live in a society where we have this kind of cultural exchange that if I, you know, if I wear the boutons, you're going to think of me in a different way. Do you know what I mean? It means something. It's just like wearing a suit to work. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. If I, if 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 that's required of me, um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna assume certain things. So I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's uh I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just think it's just it's just that's where we are. That's what that's what I'm saying, kind of thing. Um, yeah. and mm. I can't imagine that I won't buy another bag, to be honest. I think, <laughs> I think it's a thing where don't I don't think it's a thing where we don't buy. I think it's the value we place on. And if we and I think it's that you thing where we all buy, know, you you're, you're placing like you wouldn't buy it if you didn't place value on it. No, I'm, I'm not even trying to excuse myself. Like, yeah. I'm fully going to buy another designer bag for sure. No, but I mean, I think it's the fact that it can all sit in a space, but it's not the only thing. Cause I, and I feel like maybe it is the question of holding. It's free will. Do what you like. But I think in the majority, I just think if the dial could shift to where ask people in the public eye who are the brand ambassadors for these designer items, they would be more willing to shout out more about black luxury brands because no matter what state is a state we're never going to get rid of that we're never going to get rid of hierarchy but if you're going to be shouting like all day long about birkin what is that black bag designer that is also deserves like and i think it's just pushing that tipping the scale nothing wrong with having one birkin but let actually predominant of majority of your conversation and your bigging up is black brands and it's not rather the other way around where you majority speak about the the white brand and the black brand is like i'm doing you a favor so i do mention about so because sometimes you know it's like well i do talk about this black brand but how often how often do you wear this black brand to make that become the go-to status you know, but then you're in you're in there is there is kind of you're going into a different territory then because like some um of these celebrities have endorsement deals with yes of course do you know what i mean not not obviously not everybody but some of them do so like then 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 it will be the black company ha would have to match that do you know what i mean that kind of thing so i'm not saying and and 
you know, there's not that many, to be honest. And like, not you don't know if they have the funds to do that. Like, it's, it's not like a straightforward, I don't think it's like a straightforward game like yeah, that. Either. Yeah, I think the thing is we've spoken. Can I just say as well, the other thing is, as well, what we don't talk about is um, when these companies do sponsor those people, Not, I'm not saying that everyone's like the model artist or the model influencer, but they they usually have teams that they're supporting. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. So it might not seem like a, 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 a massive thing, but that money is still going into the community in some sort of way. It's not completely lost. That's, that's yeah. I was going to say that there are the, lots of things. You mentioned the endorsement. We have we have actually spoken about this very thing in depth before. And at what point? At which point? I think we all said that these artists do endorse other other you know black owned brands. However, if you sign a sponsorship deal with Adidas and you get caught wearing Nike, there's an issue. You have to. A lot of times, they have to only wear the brand that they're endorsing. That's the other thing. There's a lot of business business issues. And like Auntie Chade just said, you don't know what they're doing with some of the money that they get from these endorsements. Everything that they do is not necessarily pushed out there to the public. You don't have to always show that I'm going to go and I'm going to buy my daughter Black-owned brands or I'm going to invest in this Black-owned company to help them move forward or I'm going to invest in this particular property or this particular business in this particular area. We don't always know what people are doing. So there's that as well. I just think that you can do both and it's important to do both. I would be more concerned if these famous, in quotes, um, people were only ever wearing brands that had nothing to do with us. But if they are, then to me, that means that they are supporting us. I, I, the only thing I would say is that we have a lot of conversations where we don't know what they're doing. And I think that needs to change because I feel like it's always... It's why like should they of, have to? But why should they have to declare everything that they're doing? Why I'm should they have to? Like, I'm not saying it like that, you have to, but I'm just saying that they, the, in this kind of conversation, the majority shouting out, whether it's brand endorsement, whether they've got a sponsorship deal or they're just literally talking about it because the culture has enhanced these um, brands as the pinnacle of success. That some a lot of a lot of us are doing it for free. We're promoting this shit for free. We're not all got brand ambassadors or yeah, yeah. but in the majority, those are the brands that get spoken about. And but yet we always have this conversation where we don't know what they're doing, and it tends to be in regards to doing work that's either charitable or oh, you mean the company? Sorry, you mean the company, not the individual? I mean the individual because we're saying we're discussing saying that. Um, the individual doesn't. We don't. We don't know what that individual's doing behind closed doors. They said. I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with that. But I, I think that's what we've just said. That. So I'm just. I want to explore why is that? Or because essentially that's like okay. I'm super famous and I'm always wearing Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. But yet you know that I buy Love Yaya. I buy Everyday Friday and I buy um, Greens Teas. But I never talk about it. Wouldn't you feel some type of way? But but I, I don't think I, I don't know if that's what what. I got it wrong. You're giving the cultural cachet to the brand. You're making the brand your sim a symbol of success. But you may still, off of the top of the cream, be buying from a black-owned brand. You may do that. It may be that all of your bed sheets, if, if, all, all of your homewares were purchased from. Um, shop black, but you're not talking about that. You're you're talking about 
my Birkin, my Gucci, my Versace, and that gives those brands the cachet that this but is. If the they're success. paying for it, if, if those brands are paying for it, it's their job. But it's Additionally, Additionally, what I'm saying, in, in the sense of Cardi B, in the sense of a lot of these other celebrities, they do talk about their Birkins and their Gucci's and whatever, but they go to award show, shows and they're dressed by black people and they mention it. So it's not like they don't ever talk I'm about not it. Saying they don't what, ever you mean a stylist? No, I'm talking about designers. I'm not talking about the stylist. I'm talking about they are wearing designers, black owned designers, head to toe. Can I ask then? Clothing, shoes, they talk about it. Can I ask then, when you think of Cardi B, which designer do you think about? I don't think about any designer in particular when it comes to Cardi B, if I'm honest with you. I don't don't think about one designer, and I'll tell you why I don't think about one designer. As someone who actually follows her, I see that she wears a lot of different things. And that is why I'm saying to you, yes, she stood in front of her fucking wardrobe full of Birkin bags, but that's not the only thing that she ever talks about. That's not the only endorsement that she ever makes. Remove remove Cardi B, any black celebrity that's in the stratosphere of famousness, which one do you... Have do you know that really that you can say there's a black owned designer that I know that I associate that desi- that celebrity it's with? It's only Beyonce. For me, it's only Beyonce, and the guy that she really is not so much at the moment now, but before um, his labels called Domestics, and so whenever she would wear like African print, it was his, it was his designs. And I noticed that that just shot everything up to another level when she started wearing his stuff. Like definitely tens of labels became viable once she endorsed his his designs because it was like a huge celebrity is now wearing African print. And then other people were like, I can wear African print now. That That shifted something. I can't think of anybody else with a black designer that I know I even know the black designer's name I don't know and that's all my that's my point that's all what what that people don't know the names of the black designers yeah and we in con- comparison to celebrities that you know you know there you know because yes it might be in an awards like I said you 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 ought to get dressed you wear pieces I think Viola mm-hmm. Davis wears yeah. and some black designers and stuff like that but it's a name that rings off your mouth and then talking about endorsing something so that you know that this thing has gone clear and it's a black owned designer and not the typical Gucci's, Prada's, da 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 da, especially at awards, especially at awards season. Yeah, I think I think also as well, they they they, they there's um those those household designer names, they're like way ahead. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing in terms of like brand equity, like you know, household mm-hmm. that sort of thing, that they're way ahead. So that that's probably coming. I, I just think that. I think you're you are seeing it more and more and more and more. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I think it's very hard, especially in this time that we're in now, for any kind of conscious artist, even if they're just a little bit, not to be endorsing something and, yeah. out of the community. So yeah, I, I, I don't think it's dire. I really but don't. that's what I'm saying. I think well the look naturally, then if it's evolved, that means there's something in people's spirit that what we're saying is exactly what we're saying is, is right. Because in people's spirit, then consciously, like, yeah, I need to be not endorsing Gucci. I want to endorse so and so black, and that's naturally coming out. So that if that's happening more and more, which like, yeah, it is happening more and more, then soon we, this conversation won't come up, and we wouldn't even we'd be like, yeah, 
that's that designer, that designer, that designer, and Gucci and Prada and all that stuff won't even register. But it is a thing that is conscious. People feel it. It's 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 they feeling it. Yeah. So if we if we were doing better, and I'm not advocating for segregation, but in the time of segregation, yeah, when all you had to do, you could only spend with black businesses, collectively there was more wealth within the black community because, and there was hierarchies within black designers where you would go. There was the, the black designer that dressed all of the stars of the times and they became millionaires because that's who you went to because you was only allowed to go to them. Now, once things opened up, there isn't too many black designers that are that influential that all of the black people go to because they're going to the labels of note. I think that's what I'm driving at, that we, it, I, I, I would firmly go with, it's not okay to place value with other communities, luxury brands before a black brand, because ultimately as a community, the our money doesn't circulate within our communities because we've placed so much value on somebody else's luxury brand and we're then building up their communities so that they have hundreds of year long reigns as being the dominant luxury brand. That's that's my point. So I get they sit hand in hand, but I don't think it's a good thing. But I'm but still think- not advocating for segregation. I'm just saying that we should have um, our community first in within our spirits. But I think that the start of this conversation is that's what we said. We said that it's happening slowly. And as you've just eloquently put it, eventually that other shit will die down because people will realise that this brand has been bigger. Like, look at Trapstar. And I, I'm mentioning them again because that's a little, these are little West London boys. Exactly. And but streetwear... Streetwear has always been something that we've been able to dominate in. That's my point. It's always yeah, like that level. Okay, streetwear, but, we can yeah. we can do well in that. But, but then actually, maybe people brand, who do mm, possibly, but then maybe what happens is when you look at it like alcohol, for example, the way that that whole industry is changing and more more and more black people are actually becoming the owners of alcohol brands. Maybe that's what will happen with these other things. It just takes time. But I, think we're headed, I think we're heading in the right trajectory, but I just feel like it, it, we're headed in the right trajectory, but I just don't know if everyone's going to just stop endorsing straight away beca- because of all of these other reasons that, that we've said. I don't I think, think that's, yeah, I don't think yeah. that's going to be the point. It's, it's, what, it's just what I think people should be tasked with. And it's anything that we do as black people, because I think in different conversations, we say, we are all want us to uphold certain things in different conversations. So in this one, I personally think let's if you're in the public eye, try your best to endorse more black because we did we had Ciroc and now everyone buys Ciroc. It's it's like no, 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 no thing. And we didn't say, well, there's Cavossi and Cavossi has been here forever, so it's gonna be hard. People just started buying Ciroc. Do you know what I mean? Let's get but the that's because it also had Diddy behind it with Diddy's money and Diddy's marketing and Diddy's branding and Diddy's company and all of that shit. There are other people like Cabby's fucking rum, for example. I'll give you that. That's an English taxi man who has a rum and he's doing shit, but it's slowly. It just takes time for those other things to, to develop. His trajectory. Or not, he's not black. He's black. He's a black guy. No way. Yeah, Cabby's a black driver. 
Well, he's a black man with a black the cab. Cabby, cabbies, rum is made by a black taxi driver and he makes it himself. He does everything. Watch, go on his website. He does the whole process. Yeah. So like what I'm saying is that's growing, but because it's him on his own and he doesn't have Diddy money behind him and Diddy's contacts, it's growing, but people's trajectory and their and their route is going to be a little bit different. That's all I'm saying. So when yeah. Diddy, when Diddy, Diddy, and even if you look at Beats and stuff like that, they were able to say, put the shit in your video. If you don't put the shit in your video, you can't have my artist. You can't play my tune. You can't do that. Mm. They were able to do those sorts of things. So whilst we are growing, it's just for the average man on the street who's building their brand, it's going to take us a little bit more time. But yeah, that's why we say we're black owned, buy black owned, shop black owned. That's why we say those things to try and increase that. It's the thing of we were there though. That's, yeah, that's what like annoys what me. Said. We were there. Yeah. And it's we the reasons that you said. Yeah. For acceptance and assimilation. And it's like the, people hold on to that. They see value in the fact that we assimilated. What was the cost of our assimilation? And to me, our, the cost is that we're behind. And that goes and back now down we're to... we're having to recatch up. Yeah. That's what that, it is. That goes back to what you said before about feeling like, or someone said, I can't remember, feeling like, actually, no, I can do this. I'm going to show you that I can buy that. But also mm -hmm. you've got to think that's someone, someone's idea, someone, somewhere's idea. Paid? Of yeah, of tricking us as well. That's part of their game as well, isn't it? And let's yeah, and let's get the comments. I keep wanting to go back and say the same thing, but let's get the comments. <laughs> okay, all right. So Nicola says um, the promotion and sustainable sustainable growth of independent brands is going to take time, but we need to understand the levels of growth that it takes. And Cindy says segregation, but you ain't lying, sis. Um, Ronald says, I agree with AK if I understood her correctly. I think that black celebrities who patronise black business have an obligation to say publicly that they patronise those businesses. They don't get a pass if they quietly patronise them. Um, and Sydney says, Auntie Farah, you almost said Dibby for Diddy. <laughs> And Nicola said, media control is one aspect of this growth that we need to pay attention to now. Things like what you are doing with this platform is helpful, but we need more consistent and sustainable media outlets that are respected and influential. And yes, we no doubt will come back to this conversation again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> and we must move on to aunties know best we know best we know best well, i just don't do a story then i just don't talk i just don't say my story do we not oh i forgot I thought that was your one i thought no. that was you know what i thought that was your one maybe because you guys okay my bad go on we've been <laughs> that wasn't my story at all i thought oh. it was your story you know I thought it, was it was my it was mine, I it, was mine. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't mine at all go ahead. You know. go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead I'll just, should I just, should I just do this? So I'm not here. No, okay, now you're being dramatic. I literally thought it was your story. That's just been done. No, no one has to follow. Your story was actually forgot. We have established, I forgot, sorry. Move on. We just spent five minutes talking about the fact that I made a mistake. Let's <laughs> spend the rest of the show talking about the fact that you constantly make mistakes when it comes to me. Blood. 
Anywho, my story. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, last week, the tragic death death of the university student from Reading, Olisa Oduwoki, I can't say his surname, but the Reading University student um, who went missing and then he was tragically found in a harbour, just highlight, and then very quickly the police basically said, uh, you know, circumstances were not suspicious. As, like they found him at one o'clock. I'm, I'm just saying numbers. Let's say they found him at one o'clock and by 102, they said the circumstances weren't suspicious, even though his entire family, all his friends, everyone that knew him said that him going missing was very uncharacteristic. They said that, um, you know, it, this is not something that he would do. He was fine, all of this stuff. And the police immediately said it was unsuspicious, even though they found him in a harbour. This just highlighted yet again, the number of the black youth that are going missing and they are being overlooked in terms of the way that um, their, their deaths are investigated. You know, at the moment, the rate of disappearance is the highest that it is in any community amongst black people. Um, and I just wanted to hear from you guys your thoughts on whether you think that enough has been done to find them. Are their cases being properly investigated? And what are some of the factors that you think are behind them going missing? Um. I'll go. I, I saw a tweet that made me really rethink this because I was quite on the conspiracy theory and what's going on. Um, and definitely there's police. There's definitely, I definitely, well, I definitely think police are being neglectful or what it appears, excuse me, what it appears that police are being neglectful um, when it comes to black um, children and teens going missing because again, the, the value of black life is minimum. Um, but I saw someone tweet and say, actually, that they, I think they lost their cousin in a similar way and it was suicide. And they said that people need to take time in jumping on conspiracy theories, especially in this public forum, because you're not thinking about the family who are grieving and actually dealing with this. Because if you haven't, if you're not in the space of this family, actually know what's going on, because we don't always get the facts. We don't get all the facts. We get the bits that's released out. So we must take time to run off on a tangent that the family haven't even said yet. So, and it's just a general thing of like, when you hear about someone passing, try not to put it out on social media till you know the family's been notified and things like that. Um, so that made me think differently. Cause I was like, oh, okay. Cause I was ready to be like in with the retweets and going off with like, it's a conspiracy and da 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 da. But, but that doesn't necessarily think, feel like, make me think I don't think there's some something wrong going on, but it just made me think differently. Okay. so if the family haven't said anything and they're not saying it's a conspiracy, why are we running with it? If they generally, if these kids have actually been, have lost their lives to suicide, but, and I don't think we know all the facts, but I'm not, yeah, anyway, so I'm in, but if I take away that, what I just said, it just seems really, it seems weird, but also is it because it's being reported more that it seems like it's more? Because usually our deaths, our things don't, reach the headlines unless it's knife crime and stuff like that. They don't pay attention unless it's things like that. Um, so I would love to know, and that's, I think I've, gone, I've said it before, that there's a lack of information about how we have moved in the UK, like how black people are. I, I feel like I could Google, you know, the black existence in America and get quite a lot of different articles and research papers and stats and figures about the existence of black people in America, but I don't think we have enough information over here about our day-to-day -day existence, how we move, how we eat, what what are, you know, I, I don't know, I just think there's not enough information over here and I don't know why that is, whether it's us that are not doing it or we're being 
always been made to be very difficult to do this kind of research and information about us. So there's some concise archival documentation of our existence so that we can refer like, okay, actually, since the 1980s, there is a high rate of suicides amongst black teenagers at a certain age, or um, there isn't and there is something afoot. So we can point to some actual facts so that we can start drawing concise, concise um, explanations and reasonings with a bit more information because I just I feel like I lost I feel like I don't know what it is and it is then it becomes like wives tales and conspiracy theory because I just don't know what it is the only thing I could be possibly confident about is the fact that it's um the police don't give a damn about us and as we've had mothers consistently say two situations where mothers have said that you know police have told them that basically shown that they don't give a damn and they're not going to really make all the effort so yeah Auntie um shadow Sorry, Mark's asking hell then. Um, yeah, no, that was uh, really sad to hear about. I think um, I think it might be to do with reporting. Um, but in this case, the, the police are saying that it's not suspicious. They're not saying it's a suicide. And then people are debating it. Do you know what I mean? I think that's, that's, that's kind of like a different thing. Um, but like... I think it, I think it is about the reporting. I think it is about the the kind of um, this you know ongoing, which we've always talked about as well, criminality of black people as well, kind of thing. So it's just like they can't. It's almost like you can't be victims of a crime. You're either the perpetrator or it just happened naturally. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's it's, it's that um, you know, and also like the it's not just the police; it's the media too. Do you know what I mean? So are they picking up the story too? Like, is this of interest of them? Do they talk about it? Um, I think it's only, and this is the power, again, the power of social media and, and why I think it's just such a, a game changer for our community is just that, that that's why, you know, some of these stories, these recent stories have been picked up, you know? And also like, it's not always gonna be the case that the parents are gonna say anything. And I think that, or, or the family is gonna say anything. And speculation exists. It's just the nature of things. That's that we're curious beings as humans. Um, do you know what I mean? I think that that it, it's always good to pause before people jump to conclusions. But even like I'll give an example of like um, uh, what's that rapper called? Black the rapper is that his name? I can't remember. The young boy that Black the rapper. Was yeah, he? in um, oh, I'm saying his name wrong, but. I think he died in Haiti. He's a UK guy, but he went to Haiti and he died and they didn't know why. And he was, his body was- Wasn't found for days, yeah. Yeah, stuck there kind of thing. And it was one of his- It was um, Guadeloupe. So Guadeloupe, oh, okay. No, no, sorry, not Guadeloupe, uh, Montserrat. Montserrat, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so the, 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 Basically, some someone in his camp, not his family, came out and said it was suspicious. Do you know what I mean? So everyone kind of like on social was jumping on it. And then his family came out and said, no, it's not. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes you do have to wait. And sometimes those things can be a bit conflicting. And it's a bit, um, it can create a, a, a dialogue that sometimes is just not healthy, you know? Um, but... You know, I think that, you know, we do have these concerns because we know it to be true. We know that, you know, sometimes they're putting the wrong thing on the death certificate, just like just personal experiences. They're not they're not saying what it actually is or what actually caused 
um, the issue and stuff. And we know that you know we're we're you know we live in a nation where we're systematically oppressed. So we can't always believe what is put out there. So I think it's just very natural um, to disbelieve some stuff. So yeah, I don't know if that's really pulled that together. But Auntie Nana. I didn't know that stat that so what what is that stat is it that suicide or just the rate of deaths of young black people is higher than other and that I hadn't heard that before I just wanted clarity on that I'm gonna get the stat for you I'll come back thank you um but other than that um I don't know you know I, I mean I've I always teeter towards the conspiracy theory of this um, on two fronts. So I, I don't know what's causing the media to be reporting more of these black deaths. I'm suspicious of that. And then I'm suspicious of the black deaths occurring in this number that it seems to be. But is it? It's like you don't even know. So I'm really suspicious of the highlighting of this. And if it's even real, because people commit suicide all the time. So it's like, are they just making this a black thing now? Or is it really been a thing? Has this always been happening and they've been hiding it? I don't, I'm so dubious of whenever something comes into the news and becomes a thing. I'm more like, what's their agenda? What are they trying to do? Are you highlighting this so that it turns into a thing? So like, you, you know, are you trying to get black people to see suicide as a way out? Like, are you highlighting this so that it becomes into our psyche so more young people uh, who are suffering from depression are like, this is my way out. Like, this is, uh, it becomes more on their radar to kill themselves. I'm just always like, oh, I don't know. I don't know just, what the agenda is. clarity, it isn't yeah. that this, it's, it's not, like Auntie Charlotte said, it's not that they're saying it's suicide. The okay. police are not saying that these deaths are suicide. What they're saying is it's unsuspicious. What's so they're that saying that, so they're saying that this person who's been found at the beach and drowned, or this person who's been found in this lake and drowned, or this person who's been found in the harbour, they've died. It's not suicide, but it's not suspicious. So it's like they couldn't swim or something, or they got in the they, water when they drowned. They're saying, who knows? And because we're not the family, we obviously don't have the all of the information. But but what they're saying is it's not suspicious. So the stat that I was talking about, I say yeah. that it's, it's an excuse for the police not to investigate. That's thank you, and that's my, that's my whole point about this: the lack of investigation and just how quickly they are to say it's not suspicious. They're not investigating because, because it. How I'm do you know? Like, what is that? Yeah, what, how what do you not suspicious death? That's my point. How do you know two minutes after you found somebody that is not suspicious? How do you know that they didn't commit suicide? How do you know that someone didn't kill them? How do you know that they didn't have mental health issues? You you don't you can't make that assumption. Richard went missing on one night. He was found, I think, two days later. Not Richard, sorry, um, the latest guy from Reading. He was found two two days later, and straight away it was not suspicious, even though everybody around him said, and you're right. Sometimes people aren't going to say everything, but there are far too many of these cases. And it is when it comes to reporting, sorry, Auntie Aika, I know you want to talk, but when it comes to reporting, a lot of times it's our own communities that are reporting it. The police were not reporting Richard's 
death. I'm not sorry, his, 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 him going missing. The press weren't talking about it. The yeah, black yeah. community got behind that and said, what's going on with this boy? Where is he? Um, the stat that I was talking about in terms of people going missing. So in the UK, around 180,000 people go missing. A disproportionate amount of those going missing are black people. Though black people make up around 3% of the general population, they make up 14% of the missing people. And that's according to the National Crime Agency. Those are the things that I'm like, okay, so that's a stat that within our community, we should all be highly suspicious of that what is going on with us, that when we turn up dead, it just gets struck off as not suspicious. Because that and and that to me is like that's not well a conspiracy is two seeming events that go together, and we know that there is an industry for harvesting our organs. We know this, so if it's not being investigated as to what has happened to this person, and it's just it's not suspicious, what's the what what's the follow on from that? Does does an autopsy happen then? Is a coroner actually going? Are we? opening up a body to see that actually everything is within there, that this person isn't missing their kidneys, their heart. Like, is there a thorough investigation if you're just ruling it as not suspicious? And I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious of an unsuspicious ruling from (laughs) any authority figure, really. But But I understand that they silence families as well. It's like your, your livelihoods and your, your well-being could be under threat so you do not talk about it and you keep dumb because it affects other people around you but this is something that as a community we should be highly suspicious of but that's that i think that's my thing about having the facts and stats ready to hand and there's not enough information about us and whether it's us generating it that we've got go-to references are actually looking historically this is happening in a way that's disproportionate to that that, that makes sense and even having that stat readily available how I mean, and it's only as and when the white, the mainstream media wants to put that out there. How easy is it to go off on a search and really find that information about our existence in this country that we own the um, narrative of, that we control what information we know about each other? Because that is that that stat is mad. And um, I was going to actually made that note that in in hindsight, if families aren't talking about stuff, apart from the fact they could be grieving and could be dealing, you know, that we have. The cultural thing where we don't talk about our shit in public anyway, so we just keep them. But there is also the reality that you can't talk. You feel like if you talk, shit's going to go left even more so. And you could be silent. So there's all these things. But if we have some sort of authority, body, some sort of authority on our information in this country, our historical information, our health, in, our health information, all this type of stuff for us to know. So that when we are having these conversations, we're coming at an informed, from an informed position, and it gets rid of all the, con- like, because it's so easy to turn, like, we can't even explain racism. We can't even get a handle on racism and that being believed about someone called me this or someone, you know, implied this and it's racist, but we can't even get that over the line. So let alone trying to really stand there and say, you guys are killing us or something's happening to us. And we, this is the reason why we need that. And I don't know how we do, I don't know. I don't, yeah, it's not something that's been on my mind a lot about how to really, establish our position, our, especially for Brits in the UK, how do we establish, we black people in the UK, how do we establish this information for us to keep a hold of and be really understanding of our existence here? 
because so much of our information is leaning towards black America. So I'm, I'm not saying that some of these cases aren't down to mental health because there was a great, you know, we, we've, we've mentioned this before. There's a lot of men, mental health problems within our communities. And that's a whole other story as to why that is as well. I'm not even going to sit here and say that isn't the case. But we know that definitely when it comes to investigating anything to do with black people, our lives are undervalued. So they don't necessarily look into it in the way that they should look into it. And the things that they do when they are investigating it are, you know, horrendous. Let's not forget about those two women that were slaughtered. Mm. And I'm going to use that word in in um, in Brent, in a park, in Fryant Park. And it, oh, their families found them. Now, now imagine that their families had to go and look for them because the police wouldn't. And then when the police found, when the families found them and it got reported to the police, the police that were there supposed to be looking after the scene of the crime were taking pictures and posting it. Like that is showing how undervalued we are. There is a problem if you fight if you if we go missing at these types of rates. London black Londoners make up 36% of missing people in London. Wow. 36%. Wow. And I know these are stats and stats can be manipulated, but this is what it, this is what it says. I, I, if, if we weren't all privy to seeing the large amounts of pictures that get circulated from people, actually yeah. quite a few people that I even know. And it's like my son, yeah. my niece, my nephew, like these are family members that you've seen in their pictures. So it's not, they're not like fictitious kind of. Exactly. Box. It's people that I know and I've seen them sharing pictures exactly. of people that have gone missing. And it isn't always county lines. It isn't. But immediately, at those... that's one of the first things that a lot of people jump to is. Absolutely. Oh, Look at the woman that I mentioned last week who was on, what's that program? I can't remember, Line of Duty or whatever it's called. And yeah. her children, her, her son was chased in it, like by people in a black van trying to kidnap yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, this shit happens. So it's more than just mental health. It's more than someone just going off and having an accident. It's there's so much more into it. But when we are found, it is quickly labelled as unsuspicious. It's not. Oh, that's not suspicious. Why the fuck is it not suspicious when we and, go missing? And even actually, as, as we, we know that there's the the black market harvesting our organs and stuff like that in a pandemic, in a time when um, the birth rate is lower in other communities than ours, and we're still we're thriving and producing. There's things to consider, but I just I just want us to have. Wait, our, yeah, it's happening somewhere. Let's get the comments. Okay, right. So the Nicola was asking, "What does suspicious mean?" Um, a queer says we need to be careful about taking on another fact of blackness. The largest rate of suicide are middle class white men followed by teenage white young people. I think Wells is still in the lead of teenage suicide. Racism is about projection. It works by projecting all society's ills on a chosen class. And um, Cindy is asking the question. I think it's a fair question to ask. A queer are those stats in ratio? And Ronald says, I've asked this before, have black Brits ever considered creating an organization that takes the lead on pressuring the authorities on behalf of the community when these sorts of things happen? And Nicola says, we are 3% of the UK population. The stats are highest to die in birth rate, knife on knife crime, prison, COVID death, and now in suspicious deaths. Damn, 
black people cannot catch a break. Auntie Nana, I agree with you. This is truly fuckeries, mindfuck, stress, and everything to break down a community. Look after your well-being, people. Sometimes it does feel like that. Is it even real or are we just under attack? I tell you what's real. We're under attack. That's what's real. We're under attack. That is what's real. Let's I mean, also compare... is the attack real? Is the, is the actual physical harm real or is the fear of us being under an attack the real thing that they're using? Whatever way they're using it, these people are masters of war, aren't they? So whichever way they're using it, be it a mental, put the mental fear in us or be it the actual physical fear that that shit's happening, there's something going on. Let's, I'm throwing stats at you lot today. Let's also compare that in order to find, to try and find 12 million um, pounds has been spent on the Madeleine McCann, McCann case right now. 12 million. 12 wow. million. And this is for parents that left her. I'm sorry your daughter's gone. I am. But these are, this is for parents that left their child alone in a room while they were drinking with their brethren. If that had been working class people, not just working class black people, I'm not going to throw it there, but if that had been working class people, it, it, we'd be hearing a different story right now. They'd the be parents would be in prison. Neglect. Being children, and the, uh, in prison, sorry, and the other children would be in care. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, Auntie's no best. I think he's got a he's got a dilemma. He's going first. I, I have, but I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> but I'll go. Okay. Um, so this is a tinternet dilemma. Do, do you want to go, Auntie Shade? Was it you? You go, you go, because I've been talking. So you go. Yeah. So I was just trying to unmute myself. Um, okay, so hello, loving the live. Um, this week I'd love to talk to you about prenups. What are your thoughts and opinions on them? I'm due to get married soon and I would like my fiance to sign one, but not sure how to bring it up. In the past, I've um I've said he wouldn't have to sign, but have decided after talking to my family it might be for the best. Please advise. Auntie Nana. I, I'm like, I don't agree with prenups, you know. I, I go back and forth on this. In a few weeks' time, I may say I do agree with it. But for today, I'm sticking with I don't agree with prenups. Because I feel like you're, like, what's the point? Just, like, what's the point in getting married? If you're thinking that it could end and... Right, let me think about this properly because I'm going to contradict myself. Um, no, I don't agree with peanuts. And if you've already said that you're not going to have one, you should stick by that. Maybe you wanting to implement this prenup is actually because you're having second thoughts about actually getting married at all. So lean into those questions because maybe this person isn't the person that you're supposed to marry. Because if you really are for marriage, it should be that what I enter into this marriage with, I am going to share with this person as we go on our life journey. And if that journey ends, then they were contributing to your journey and you should split what you both had equally if you're going to enter into this marriage. So 
think about it wisely. Is this the man that you are willing to split your, or woman, because I don't know what gender they are. If you're not willing to split what you have with them, I don't think you should marry them. Yes, that's my standpoint. If you're not willing to split it, you shouldn't be marrying them. Full stop, comma, exclamation mark. Auntie Farah. Um, I think it's important to note that marriage doesn't mean forever for everyone. Some people just want to get married for the now. And, you know, we'll just see. How it's like some people are all right with that. Some people don't necessarily see having one partner for the rest of their life as normal. But they want to enter into the, you know, commitment of marriage for the now. So that's important. But I do, I want to know what's happened to make you want to not do a pre or want to do a prenup all of a sudden. Did you like win the lottery on the sly? <laughs> and you're like, nah, man, he can't have my share. Or do you live together and he was supposed to pay a bill and he never paid the bill. And now you're like, my money is my money. Your money is your money. Like what, what happened to make you change your mind? That's what, that's what I kind of want to know. See. I understand the prenup and I feel like I wouldn't mind I, I wouldn't be offended if I met somebody and they wanted me to sign a prenup because I probably want them to sign one too. You take what you had when you came into this, I take what I had when we came into this, and whatever we do together, we split it. That's it. I d I'm not it it doesn't offend me. And it doesn't necessarily mean from my own point of view that I'm thinking that we could end. It's just insurance, isn't it? It's like you pay your car insurance just in case. Just in case. But you don't wish for an accident, do you? you it's just in case. Perfect analogy. I think I'm the same. I, I, I would say it isn't. You pay car insurance because you have to. It's the law. Most people would probably be like, I don't want to do insurance if you had a choice. Just, just What about holiday insurance then? Because it's not the law that you... That. It's not, oh, I always do. It's not the law that you pay holiday insurance, but I do it just in case. I don't want to be somewhere and my neck and my back and I can't get home. Um, I am with you, Auntie Farah. You know what? I'm with you to a point of depending on if it was in me in the situation, who's asked, like how did the person ask, why are they asking? Because maybe there's a bit of a bias if a man saying, like, I need a prenup, where are you planning to go? So it depends on the type of guy. But in all... In all situations, you should know the person that you're marrying, so you possibly can kind of gauge where they're coming from, unless they do a real about turn at some point in the relationship. You're like, this is not the person I married. You weren't the same. You've changed and all that type of stuff. And they go and do something that's so out of character. But generally, protect your assets, because I think I've heard, you know, I've been more romantic about a relationship, and actually, the more I've got older and understood that uh, marriage is a business transaction, it's a choice and all that type of stuff. It's not just about love and romance. It's about Come, two people coming together and agreeing to create something um, and keep it moving. But there's bills and there's there's money and finances involved in this growth and coupling. So protect your assets because shit can go left. And especially in this day and age when romance is out the window, having you know flowers and tulips in your eyes doesn't work anymore. You've got to be rea a, rea a realist about the state of the relationship. But I'm with you also, Auntie Farah, what made you change your mind and also why is your family involved in this decision you're in a relationship as you two why is your family saying you know what you need to get a prenup so what do they know what do they think they know 
And how does your partner feel about your family being involved in such a major decision? I would, as a part of, again, there's not enough information to know what this is because it's like, is your family involved in a lot of your day-to-day decisions? And it's not gonna come as a surprise to the partner or is your partner gonna be like, again, I'm sick and tired of you going to your family every time we've got something in our relationship that's got to be resolved. And, and then now your family, you were fine. And now your family say, nah, girl, you're going to get a prenup. That would be the part that pissed me off as a partner that's bringing that. So I want to know what that is. Why is your family saying, do you know what, girl, you need to get a prenup? And if it's that kind of your family's urgent that you need to get a prenup, then this whole situation seems like it's a bit lightweight and not maybe you lot shouldn't be getting married because why is your family so concerned? Unless you come from a moneyed family, they're like, no, nah, listen, the family name is not going to be dragged by this nonsense if he leaves you or whatever. Get your prenup because I'm not losing our legacy to this person and all that type of shit. So that's the part I want to know. Auntie Shade. Yeah, um, all of that. I'm just going to jump and answer answer a quick question that was in the comments about prenup. So it says, a pre, so the question was, um, do you prenups even work in the UK? And I've just Googled it and it says, a prenup in the UK law is not automatically legally binding, but will be upheld by a court as long as it meets the qualifying criteria, which um, have been set by the Supreme Court and further reviewed by the Law Commission. So yes, they can be, um, just to answer that. But um, yeah, I mean, like the divorce rate is like 42%. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I think like, I think if you're, I, I don't think in all cases, but if you're a high net worth individual, I think it's probably a good idea to have it. I think like what you're leading uh, to there, Auntie AK, um, like if you're like in a family business, for example, kind of thing, you're like a majority shareholder or something, that could have a massive impact. So it might, you might have been caught up in romance and then the family's like, <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> um, they will not inherit my shares or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Just sit down and have a conversation. Um, and also as well, it's a way like not all relationships work out, the majority of them, majority, you know, you know, unfortunately there's, you know, it doesn't, doesn't always work out, might not be also for a long time, do you know what I mean? Like there might be just like, you might be just in your start of marriage um, and then find someone else <laughs> into your real marriage. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I think that it's good if like, if, if that does happen, then you're able to get a really clean break because I think sometimes what happens when a marriage breaks down, that it just becomes messier and messier and messier and like people can get like really resentful, they can't break ties and they can't essentially move on with their life effectively. And if a relationship isn't working and it's definitely not going to work, then you want to be able to do that. So I think that there's a benefit there for sure. It works for Jeff. What? 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 Those wives. Um, Bill Gates's wife, and yeah. <laughs> I came back just in time. Work for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder what was she? Was it? They say. Ah, oh, sorry. On that, I read that Bill Gates's kids apparently they're only getting a ten million each only because we're talking. I know, and that was really, it was getting like, something. It was like only. I didn't get that either, but he said ages ago he's not leaving them anything in the will. So I was even surprised about the 10 mil. Yeah. What? So in a divorce, your kids get something? That's random. No, that is random. But um, but maybe she got to say, see, like this, is, this is the flip flopping of 
the prenup thing. I, I still wholly am against it. But in some circumstances, actually having a prenup does ensure that you get something as well. Because there are lots of people, especially wealthy men, who hide their money. And women probably do it too. But they hide their money in certain places. And if you don't have anything in place then you're going through a divorce. They kind of come with their Johnny-come-lately bank statement type, the, the things that they're willing to share with you because it isn't set in stone that everything in this, like, 30 years that was accumulated and then the investigators can really go looking for it. If if you don't have a prenup, you can also get shafted in the other way. But I still am not for it. I think at this moment, as I said, I'll probably change my mind next month. Um, have we got any comments? Um, it, it really, it was just what Nicola was asking in regards to if it's enforceable in the UK. I also didn't think it was enforceable. So that was good information um, for folks. Next dilemma. Let me just switch phones. One moment, please, callers. <laughs> Um, okay, so the next dilemma is an internet dilemma, and it's from a guy, and he said, um, I've got a question. So my girlfriend has kids, none by me. Me personally, I have none at all. So this weekend in America, he must be or in the Caribbean or somewhere like that. He said, it's Mother's Day, and she is constantly asking what I'm going to get her for Mother's Day. I went on to tell her, nothing. It's Mother's Day. That's for my mum not my girlfriend, and that she doesn't even have or carry any kids by me. Am I wrong for telling her no? Auntie Nana. I, 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 did, I did smile at this because I feel like I understand where he's coming from. As in, it's like he, it's, you're not the mother of his children and he has a mother. But I still think a little card just to celebrate her being a good mother, if she is one, would it, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. But I do feel for him, like, there shouldn't be any hints. Like, I, I, I agree with him in those points. Like, she shouldn't be hinting that you, my boyfriend, should get me something for Mother's Day when you actually are not the mother of his children. It should have come from him. I think the hinting is it is a bit of a red flag really if he was my brethren i'd be like that's 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 a red flag dude like she's probably going in your pockets and taking some money auntie Shante. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big jump <laughs> but okay um no i think um i think she's right yeah i think i feel for her do you know what i mean because if you even have to if you even have to hint, then there's a problem with him. Why is he? Why is he not suggesting that he's gonna do something? Because if he, if she's got kids, that Mother's Day is about celebrating her motherhood. Doesn't matter if you've got kids with her uh, at all. Mothers come in all different shapes and sizes. Do you know what I mean? She's showing you. She's with you. You see how she is as a mother. You're in a relationship with her. Celebrate them. And also, what about the example to the children as well? On this day, we celebrate your mother. You need you you as an adult need to leave the example. Do you know what I mean? Like, nah, he's out of order as far as I'm concerned. I feel sorry for her. 
she should be looking at him and thinking, what kind of man are you that you would even question this thing? Put saying all that, but putting capitalism aside, because this is a capitalist product, to be honest. People to spend money on this particular day. But I feel like, yeah, he should make the effort for sure. And she shouldn't have to, if she's asking, he needs to check himself. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking like, so on Mother's Day, it's a recognized day. So she wakes up and the kids run in and then he, like you're in the bed with your man and he's just going to roll over morning, babe, and then go back. Well, how did the, the vibe and the environment in that space, like what, how do you, like, just because I can't, I do have a niggling nig, nig, nugget of, I slightly get something, but then why have you got that something as a man in the relationship? Because that means there's something you don't like it. Because I feel like I get, Happy Mother's Day from random guy friends. They don't, they're not, they ain't got no kids with them. And you know, sometimes guys I don't even talk to for most of the year, but on a Mother's Day, I'll get Happy Mother's Day, recognizing that just from across the water, you know, across the internet or the waves, you just text me to say Happy Mother's Day. So, how's my partner looking at me in my face, knowing I'm raising these kids and holding grudge or something? Because that makes me feel like you've got an issue. Because you would want to. You would want to just say acknowledge, like, yeah, you know what, you're doing a great job, babe. You're a great mother. And if you don't think she's a great mother, why are you with her then? Leave her alone, isn't it? Leave, go, bye. Because there's something in it that's a bit uh, vindictive, I think, in not doing it. Um, yes, celebrate your mother, but your partner's a whole ass mother. It's Mother's Day. Ah, it's Auntie, Sh um, Auntie Farah. <laughs> yeah, I I'm flip-flopping with this one. Auntie Sade made me see things from a different perspective. But I'm so so I am now flip-flopping. My initial thing was he don't have kids with her. However, like you said, Auntie AK, my brethren will message me happy Mother's Day. People I haven't spoken to in ages will message me happy Mother's Day. And when it's Father's Day, I want to text too. Thank you very much as a single mum. Text my ass and say you're doing a great job as a mum and a dad. But so I that's why I was flip-flopping because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have kids with her. Maybe if he doesn't feel like he should buy her a big massive bouquet of flowers or something like that. But I feel like he should acknowledge it at the very least. Like my friends acknowledge it by saying happy Mother's Day. We don't know if he lives with her. So we don't know if like he's waking up in the morning and he's just rolling over and saying, yeah, I'm going to work. Or, or I'm gonna go check my mum now. See you later. I hope you have a nice day. We don't know if he did. If that's what he did. Oh, she went. Um, do you know what? I, we'll pick up on her point until Auntie Farah comes back. I think it's that thing. I went with the fact that I went with like you're in a relationship and you're raising these co these kids together, your co-parents. I think that would be a problem. But if it's like a boyfriend who doesn't live in the house. I mean, I feel like I, I got boyfriend vibes from what was written. Not that I'm in the house co-parenting. To be honest, I went on a tangent in my own head. So maybe that's the different levels. Because I think if it's a boyfriend and you're not with text, yeah, happy happy Mother's Day. So I don't think he needs to do the whole parade and gifts and teddy bears and all of that type of stuff. Because it is a bit like, why? I, I don't have kids with you. But I just think it totally ignoring it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't hint it. I but think it's the hinting. It's the issue. Is she yeah, was like, you should be doing something for me for yeah. Mother's Day, and it's yeah. like that's that's not okay. To me, I don't think that's okay. If you are not the mother of my children, why would I do anything other than Happy Mother's Day and a card? Really, not there doesn't need to be a fanfare. 
like but then at the same time would he be jealous if the baby fathers did a fanfare mm. uh, is that even a thing is that wouldn't that be is that a thing do what baby fathers do things for the mothers I, I get well I got a message this Sunday. <laughs> I, I know was, I'm talking about I was the like, thing, like you know, like yeah. flowers, yeah. chocolate. I think I think if it, well actually actually I think if they're with them, they do. I no, don't I'm know talking about they, separate. Yeah, I, 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 I don't they, know about that. You know, I know people that do for like, like yeah, I know people that do that. Like, it's the nature of the relationship. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? if, they, if they're just they're co-parenting? Yeah, yeah. Acknowledge. they definitely acknowledge because yeah. it's, it's the it's and they, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, I honestly, like, I think you drove the point home, Sir, Sir, uh, Sarah, Auntie Farah, and Auntie AK. Like, yeah, like if you can do that through your friends, <laughs> do you know what I mean? 100% your boyfriend should do it, 100%. Yeah, like, like buying something, even if it's just a card and oh, it just says. Happy Mother's Day. It's the acknowledgement, and it's because yeah. he's so anti. That's the bit that I'm a bit like. I'm not asking you to take me out to if you know if we live together, that's different. If we if we don't live together and you're just my man, I do want an acknowledgement though because you can see what I want. You can see that I'm here and I'm parenting and I'm doing a good job. Like acknowledge the shit in it. Don't be so you're not my mum. Why am I? That is it's his tone. It's a but you're not my mum. Why would I even do that? It's that bit for me that's like, nah. That's why I said there's something something in it. Like, it's like, why are you so anti? Um, she shouldn't be hinting, because it reeks of, you must do for me, in all capacity. But also, he shouldn't be so, why are you so anti this, acknowledging a woman? And also, it's also about, if you're with a woman and you know she does the most for her kids, and you know she doesn't have help from her daughter's, from her daughter's, her children's dad, <laughs> that's another thing as well. Like, are you do you love this woman enough to even like acknowledge like you know what you're doing a fantastic job? Maybe and she isn't doing a fantastic job. Well. Maybe she isn't, but then she's like she's written into us on a surface. She hasn't said, you know what, I'm a bad mum, and you know what? Because she knows what we'd say. Get the fuck out of here, woman. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like that what that behavior says to me is he don't like her kids. <laughs> that's, <laughs> another that's, thing. that's another thing. That's how I'm reading it. You yeah, you yeah. only care fully about me if I have a kid with you. Yeah, he does, and also he don't want to be a parent to. He doesn't want any kind of yeah. emotional attachment. To that, those goes back, yeah. that goes yeah. back to the fact there's an issue in the relationship. There's certain you lot are either out headed on the outs, or you're with a guy that doesn't rate you. Because yeah. if he's got siblings and if like sisters, if he says to the sisters Happy Mother's Day, if they've got like kids, because if you say it to anybody other than your mum, but you're not acknowledging your chick. There's definitely an issue. I, I yeah, I'm not I, the the Becky Beggy thing, the the hinting and all that stuff. Like that, that's annoying to me. But what? there's something. What? Sorry, I'm, so, I'm I'm intrigued. Like, because if you don't ask, how are you going to do it? Because she shouldn't. Because it goes back to that thing. Or she shouldn't have to ask. Obviously, something's yeah. going on. She have to. But if the, if it's her boyfriend and she assumes there's nothing wrong with the relationship, what no. But I, wrong I, I'm, I'm saying based on the fact that she feels something's wrong. That's why she's saying okay. it. That's what I'm saying it on. Yeah. The fact that she feels that she's got to keep saying, oh, it's Mother's Day, what are you going to do, blah, blah, blah. That means something's going on within herself that she feels like he's already anti. Yeah. 
that's no, that's I don't even get that. Get that. Why I, should I you do anything for her on Mother's Day other than say Happy Mother's Day and give you a card? Because it's a but nice thing. That's fine. It's just a nice thing to do. It creates a nice moment. Like there's no. Why shouldn't you? If you choose not to, I think you're making more of a statement than doing it. Do you know what I mean? You choosing not to is like. And especially if she wants it, if you know that your girl wants something and you can choose not to do it when it's not going to cost you anything, like it's not going to make a, a cost you. to your everyday life, that's, that's, you're being vindictive. You, you're being a bit, you're turning the knife a little bit. Maybe he doesn't have money to spend on Mother's Day because you he can, has made car, a, 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 a <laughs> conscious decision to not have children. So he's like, I have made a conscious decision not have children. I don't have a baby mother. I do not have the finances to take somebody else's baby mother out for Mother's Day. But I'm saying it's not don't do that guy. Don't do any guy that thinks like that. Then you can't. Yeah, but for me, it's not even he must take her out. I'm talking about acknowledge it with a card in the same way that me and Auntie AK said we got friends that will message us and say Happy Mother's Day. Acknowledge it. It's the it's the, it's the antiness of him. He's just you're not my mum. I don't have no kids. It's that for me. Look, I can move my neck. Hey, it's um, it's that for me. <laughs> that is the part that I'm like. What's your problem? Yeah, leave everyone. Just break up. Love it because yeah. you shouldn't have to be. You could. I think you can mention it once. Like, so you're not going to acknowledge me. Happy Happy Mother's Day. And then every year he doesn't say nothing. Nah, man, gone. He's got something wrong with him. Let's get the comments. Right. Um, okay, so Nicola says, how old are her children? If they are under 12, yes, buy something for them to, to, to give to her. But if they are big, I don't think it's necessary. Candy says it's down to the real father and grandparents. Unless he is raising the kids with her, it comes across as he's a casual boyfriend that isn't involved in the kids' lives. Um, and Nicholas says because the children can make handmade cards and pasta necklaces. And <laughs> Ronald says, I think that if you are in a relationship with a woman that is a mother, you should celebrate her on Mother's Day. Grow up, grow up. Thank I think you. it was supposed to be grow the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and Candy says, he just wants out and wants to be with his mummy. <laughs> the thing is, he has made a conscious decision to be with a woman who has children. So, yeah, he's not. He's not Why does he bring okay. her misery? Like, That's a point. That's a point. Say that again. I said, why would he bring her misery? That's terrible, man. Seriously. Yeah, that, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. But both of them just need to leave each other. She should leave him. Okay. Okay. We have we got a long show. So now it's for the culture. For the culture. Go on. I just wanted to say one thing. Imagine on her birthday, he says, why would I buy you a present? It's not my birthday. <laughs> exactly. It's not my mum's birthday. Exactly. I didn't give birth to you. <laughs> it's giving those vibes. <laughs> just end it, end it, please. Okay, for the culture, for the culture, for the culture. This is where we have a hot topic that is discussed on black socials and that affects the culture. So... I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen the show, um, Blue Therapy is a reality slash therapy show created by the team behind the popular and oftentimes controversial debate show, Black Chat. 
Um, the first episode featured a Backchat alumni, Chioma, and her boyfriend, Paul, and another couple, influencer Deborah and her boyfriend, Jamel. Both couples' situations stoked the flames of social media. However, the episode has racked up 100 million, I think I, maybe a million views. I think I, I don't know why I put 100 million 100 views. 100 million, really? Oh, wait, no, it's a million views, a million views. I don't know why I said <laughs> I was going dramatic and sensational, like the show. Trend Central also hosts the ZZ Mill show, it's black owned. The man behind Central, Central, Trend Central, however, set, took to social media to call out those criticizing the show, um, saying we should support instead of tearing it down. Now, I watched it because Auntie Shadi kindly shared it with us, and um, I'm not a fan of reality shows. However, I did like, I love Black Chat. I must say, I really love Black Chat for what it was, and I think, I'm very proud of the young people that pulled that together. I think it was an amazing, phenomenal cultural moment. Um, this show, I just saw it for what it was. It was just nonsense. Um, <laughs> and because I felt like it wasn't really, I felt like a little bit, and maybe I'm being an auntie, I felt like it was a little bit undermining the real issues that can plague people. And I don't know if that was their intention. I'm sure that's not their intention, but at the moment it's in, it sits in sensational reality world. So um, when I uh, when it was brought to my attention that he uh, commented about people dissing the show, and I actually don't know what in what capacity they were dissing the show because I, I definitely think the candidates themselves, which we can talk about, were problematic in themselves. But just the overall show and everything was being criticised. Um, I was like, yeah, it's a bit much to put something out there, knowing it's going to have some controversial pieces, and then start telling people to stop tearing it down. You know, especially with having the history of back chat you have a legacy of causing controversy and people cuss, but you've got your one million views. Just wanted to discuss it. What do you guys think? Did you like it? Did you watch it? Do you think it's a little bit irresponsible to have a show that deals with therapy and issues um, that doesn't do its due diligence? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Auntie, <laughs> I'll go to Auntie Shadik, I know she watched it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like, I am convinced I'm not going to say it's fake. I think it's scripted. I think it's scripted reality. That's that's how I would describe it. But obviously, we don't, we won't, we don't truly know at this moment in time. But I did find it entertaining. Um, and I think, I think it. I don't think it's irresponsible. I think it helps actually create dialogue within the culture, um, and actually, you know, create create discussions about these things because people do talk about. Um, and this is why I think it's scripted because the scenes, what they were talking about, it seemed too perfect. There's there's, there's too many like nuggets of like things wrong with the relationship. It was just flowing too perfectly for me. So it seemed scripted to me. And I have actually made a scripted reality show for YouTube before. So yeah, I, I feel like I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I just thought it was, I, I thought it was um, interesting. The characters, what do you call it? They uh, made me hate them. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that's something, do you know what I mean? But I thought it was, no, I thought, I think it's good for young people to talk about these relationship issues um, and, and what they're going for, the expectation, especially Paul's character, because mm. I think he kind of symbolizes a lot that can be done, um, a lot of, um, uh, let's say, mild toxic um, masculinity. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's in its uh, extreme form, but that's the, I think he kind of displays the mildness of it, how it can kind of creep into your relationship quite slowly and actually you could end up in quite a 
um, a different place from where you started. Um, so yeah, I thought that I thought his character, I find his character very interesting. Um, and I think that most controversy seems to be with Deborah, right? So Deborah's um, in, uh, I think she's 24. She's in a relationship with a 27 year old. Um, she she doesn't actually say what she does for a job, but she works nine to five. And uh, the guy that she's with, I can't remember his name, Jamal, Jamal? Yeah. Jamal? Yep. He uh, is a trainer kind of thing. So he wants to kind of like, um, he's saying he wants to build houses, you know, buy land, all that kind of stuff. And he's trying to save, but she wants, uh, I think she wanted a Gucci hat. <laughs> she wants handbags, she wants holidays, yeah. she wants to have dinner and at Hackathon. Yeah, that's what she wanted. And she was comparing her relationship to her friend's relationship and saying that, you know, her friend's boyfriend was like so attentive and stuff and everything. And I thought it was just really interesting how much backlash she got for being like some of the things that we talked about today, but being like, you know, quite materialistic and everything like that. But then I'm thinking at the same time, she's 24. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He chose her, do you know what I mean? He also, yeah, was taking her out, buying her stuff in the beginning and he stopped. So I think personally, she's got a bit of a right to complain because he stopped doing what he said he was gonna, what, what he presented himself to be. And no one's talking about that. They're talking about her shallowness and her materialistic, but they're not talking about the fact that he presented him as something that he not he isn't actually, that's not who he actually is. And he wants to build a relationship on, he wants her to build a relationship with him, but he's not presenting his true self. His true self wants to be entrepreneurship and future, and she doesn't want that. And, and she was being herself, and I don't think that that's fair, to be honest. But I found it very interesting. I think I've been in both of those situations in the past many mm -hmm. times. So in sometimes uh, watching it was quite triggering for me as well, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was it was very interesting. Well, I'll let you guys uh, share. Auntie Farah, oh, oh did you what? Did you get a chance to watch it? No, I've not watched it. I've only seen the clips that have been on social media, so I've not watched it all. Um, <laughs> I've seen the, the the girl that you're talking about who wants handbags and to be taken out to restaurants and all that kind of stuff. And I think there's a clip with him saying that she's not doing some of the things that she needs to be doing to maintain the relationship as well. Now, in terms of him changing, we all know when you meet someone, you meet their representative. Yes. You meet you you don't meet the real person, you know, you meet they're they're putting their best foot forward. She's putting her best foot forward. He's putting her, his best foot forward. You're not meeting the true person. It's when you get into the deep depths of the relationships that you really see what the other person is about and you make a decision whether or not you want to be with that person. So if her thing is that she wants handbags and jewellery and he's not doing that no more, then she needs to go and find a man who can maintain handbags and jewellery. Don't be with this man who has maybe, I, I, again, I've not watched it, who has other aspirations and wants to do other things rather than just buy her handbags and jewellery. Um, and if he's expecting her to be Mrs. Housewife, then maybe he needs to go find another chick too, because that's not hurting. So then, therefore, they shouldn't be with each other. The, you know, the, the roles that they played at the beginning of the relationship were just that they were roles, and it's not working out in the real day of light, light of day. It's not working out. Um, as I said, I've, I've just seen the clip, so I don't really know what's going on with it. In terms of reality TV, it's always slightly scripted. 
the fact that you said they make you hate them, that is the sign of an exceptionally good reality television program because that's what they want. They want you to hate the characters. They want you to talk about it. It's scripted in the sense of the producers will say, you're going to go into this room. Like they've gone into a therapy session. They've been told what to talk about in the therapy session. You're going to bring this up because they know that it's triggering. You have to say this line. Now, it's not scripted in the sense of like a play or a, or a film or a television program in the, where they've got each line that they're going to say next. But there are triggers. There's, a, there's certain subjects that they have to raise and certain things that they have to talk about in order to get the reactions that they want to get out of it. That's how reality TV normally works. But yeah, I, I am going to go and watch it just for kicks. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, ma'am. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess it's improv, isn't it? Um, uh, what did I think of it? I, I thought for the first attempt, like the first showing, it had like really good points, but it could have been so much better. The therapist should have been a black woman. Um, the the couple, the couple, I think that was the strongest in their performance was Paul and and Chioma. That like I actually thought that was a really good and is probably a dynamic of a relationship that can kind of cover generations. That the the dynamic that they had and and him particularly this brand of man that seems to have branched out into the crypto world and is the pseudo manager of all people and their brands. And I was like, you, this man has been around. Like, it's basically the new version pimp. Like, it, it was just, just how he was talking, his actions. I was like, this, this dude, I've, I've, I've seen him about for years. Like, it, it was, their coupling was was really good but the the therapist for me was really annoying and then I just felt it was it was really good showing couples in therapy just to put that in the psyche with young people and it would have been better that the couples are black to have a black therapist that was my only criticism um I just felt it should have been a black woman and it probably would have flowed a bit better because I think the therapist was the weak link like everything she said, I was like oh, bullshit. Like and it and her bias or her lame acting really stood out compared to the others. Uh, she, she for me was like really was the weak link in the production, but it's it's watchable. And I was like for trend, I I admire what these young people are doing with with YouTube at the moment. Like I think it's really cool. So yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's it's yeah it's it's watchable it's really watchable like actually shockingly I wasn't going to watch it if you guys weren't talking about it in our group I was absolutely not going to watch it because I thought it was really like going to be lame but yeah I enjoyed it it was good uh yeah so I I that was the first thing I said they needed a Yanla Van Sant type to be yes. the therapist it needed not to be this limp again another limp letters of a person um doing this kind of wishy washy pretending to, um, uh, what do we call it? To pretending to care and not really stepping in and allowing, especially when Paul went on his rant and that's where it became very ridiculous because I, I just don't, 
Paul's arguments and aggression in the, in the, in the thing were just, was just so unbelievable because <laughs> his whole character is someone that prides himself on his reputation and being professional and being around high class, rich people. So you would never, ever go into something like this professional space and act like that because, and because he is the epitome of whether he's acting or not of a black man that doesn't want to, you know, I don't, I'm not like those other uncouth ruffians who on the ends, I'm a high class businessman who wears a suit and buys, and you know what I mean? I'm in high class places. So for him to act like that, particularly Hood in this uh, meeting, that it just, in this therapy session, it was so unbelievable, it was ridiculous. But at, at some point, as you said, Auntie Nana, there was a point where I was convinced about those relationships, about Chiromo and Paul. Um, it was just at the end, something that happened at the end, I was like, nah, nah, this is bait again. It's all back to being bait. In regards to Deborah, I felt like, a lot of people, I kind of understand because I felt like she she's young, for sure. Um, but also, I don't, he presented himself as a regular around the world, not, maybe not regular, regular, but I don't see, look to see what she saw. He doesn't have that thing, unless she's not, she hasn't lived enough to know the kind of sign to look out for a guy that can maintain this status. He's a trainer. That's what you Yeah, he's a personal trainer. So that's what I'm saying. So I don't know if she knows that because there are personal trainers who are balling and there's personal trainers who are personal trainers and <laughs> hand to mouth, like trying to, you know, every client is dependent. Do you know what I mean? Like then there's ballers, there's, there's you know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if she hasn't got the, the critical eye because I was like, I don't look at that guy and think he's someone that can maintain that. But also their conversation, he's what he's saying is that I think it's fair that in the beginning, if this is what you do and then you're saying, actually, I'm pausing that to now focus on building our legacy, our future together. I don't think she can, in, in this scenario, she was portrayed as very insensitive to that common sense. And I think that's the part where I'm like, sometimes they, these lazy, if it's scripted or it's fake, these lazy narratives that get pushed out and debated on and people are like, yeah, see, there's them, the gold digger girls. Then that's the part that me being an auntie and a bit sensitive, like this could have been better because you've had, if I'm going to do any kind of finger wagging, you've had the legacy and the, the, the training and development of Backchat, how that works and what that is. So now you're gonna step into this space where you're saying that you wanna, in quotes, you, you haven't said anything. My assumption, if you're gonna do therapy in reality, you wanna help people improve situations. No. That's the part where I'm like, this is a little bit of irresponsibility because these are things that do affect people. But I, I know, and, and again, I don't watch reality shows and stuff like that. So then that's where I, I do come a little bit of judgment, but um yeah so it's just a little bit of that because i just think maybe it's stepping into that mental health space where there are people that are dealing with being controlled and if the noise is bigger than the actual issue then it undermines what people are really going through so i just think if you're going to step into the mental health space it shouldn't be treated just like back chat i think do a little bit more i'm not saying you can't be dramatic and say because yana van chant show is a madness however there were some key points in what she said I mean, I don't watch that either. I don't watch that either because I think this is a, it's a problem. It's, it's the same. Not on my when she gave when she gave the man who had all the kids all the babies, all the dolls to hold. However, that metaphorical analogy was fucking. Yana Van Sant's program is just as I know it's just not real therapy. No, it's, it's not. It's just not. entertainment. It's like, you're not watching. Can I just finish? Can I just, sorry, can I just, that baby's thing, though. If you gave babies to all these men that's out there banging, sit in a chair and hold 
the babies that you've breeded and really think about how do you care for all these babies? But it was the fact that some that. of them couldn't breathe and their heads were down like this and they were having a, he was dropping them. And he dropped some. He dropped some. It's <laughs> just to me of proving the point. You cannot look after all these children because you're dropping them. <laughs> Sorry, a tangent, but yeah. Yeah, same, same, same stuff, same stuff. I, I think like if they're gonna go down the Mona Scott Lee road, mm. there's, there's points that he could pick up that actually would make it better. You know, like Mona Scott Lee stuff started off better, and now it's just, it's just anything. Like, but you don't start with just anything. Like you, yeah, you know. But yeah, still, kudos for just putting stuff out there. You know, you're making something, and it isn't road stuff. So I welcome that. It's not road. I think they're phenomenal. I like, because when there was all the controversy about back chat, I was thinking all the, there, there was, again, in those Facebook groups of lots of adults talking about this back chat's irresponsible, it's damaging to the culture, but yet we will have a debate about something and same grown men and women are saying exactly the same things as right. these kids on back chat. So shut the, I, I, I can be a bit of an auntie snob at times, but for that, shut the hell up because adults were definitely saying the same thing, but with maybe adult words, which is, Whatever you don't say, you get me, but you say the same thing yeah. in exactly what the kids were saying. I do like that they did, sh did show people in therapy because that make you know uh, that's got to be normalized, yeah, definitely. And there, uh, and I know a lot of couples that have gone to therapy and it has worked for them, so it's got to be normalized. Ther therapy is a good thing in general. It was good that Jamel said that this is his second time and he's the one who called yeah. it because that was a point that, you know, you don't even associate necessarily men, young boys calling for relationship advice. So there's some nuggets of greatness in this. It's just as we were saying, like, come better. You've had to me, come, you come, you've had the training, you know what to do. Definitely get a black therapist and get definitely get her someone that has some informative points. Maybe not as dramatic as Auntie Yana, but with some vim to really like make them feel like, okay, because Paul would never have come to anybody like that. Yeah, I thought, I thought, no, I thought it was just mad disrespectful. They were both mad disrespectful, to be honest, I think, at one point to the therapist. But I didn't like the therapist went um, to Jamal. When Jamal stormed out, she was like, oh, he's not violent, is he? Like, yeah, yeah, that was that was annoying. He just, he what? Just, yeah, honestly, honestly. I was like, that, was, that was unnecessary. But at the same Listen. time, it gave me such a reaction. I know why they left it in there. Yeah, you know okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, just to say, there are lots of brilliant, amazing black therapists out there, and if anyone knows them, they need to hook them up. And if they don't know where to come, come to us. We can. We know some. We can put you on to some black therapists. There's a black but, therapist network in the UK. There's a website yeah. for. Them. Like, I'm talking about the people that we personally know. Let's get them on those with those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know. But black yeah, therapist yeah. website. When we let's let's keep it in house, man. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. But there's also for those who can't get to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's. That was for the culture. Have we got any comments? Uh, only one. Um, just me saying. Agree with Auntie Shade. Absolutely scripted reality. The format works. I mean, we are talking about it. Yes. There we go. Well done, guys. To be honest, well done. But yeah, fix up. <laughs> Sorry, I've been distracted. Some of my daughters come in and told me what piece of cake when I blatantly saw birthday cake in the kitchen. That piece of cake is coming to me. Okay. Moving on to what's made you sad? Am I? Am I right? Yeah. What's made you? I'm losing the plot of the schedule of the show. What's, <laughs> what's made you sad, mad, and glad this week? 
It has been a while. Auntie Sade. Okay. Uh, I don't really have a sad, apart from what's happening in Palestine. Um, and uh, my mad, my mad is with a company. I'm not going to name them. But I'm really, the thing is, yeah, they've caused me so much stress this week. It's unbelievable. I'm really annoyed. So basically, I ordered some branded tissue paper from this company for everyday for everyday, right? Um, and they were supposed to, they were supposed to order, uh, send it to me by the end of last month. It didn't arrive. So I've had, I've had to chase them. Like, where's my order? First of all, that's already a point against you. I shouldn't have to chase you. But anyway, so basically, it turns out that they've sent my order to a pickup point instead of my home address. Like, what the fuck? Go to the pickup point. Is the package there? Package not freaking mm -hmm. there. So I'm, I'm arguing with the shopkeeper now. Like, this is a guy that I've known for 15 years. Full-blown argument. Where's my package? He doesn't want to check around the back. Like, do you know what I mean? Because this one company sent this to the pickup point instead of my home address. So I think I should sue them for damages, to be honest, because they've destroyed a relationship that's priceless. Um, I've contacted them. I said I want a full refund. They're talking about go back to the shop. I basically told them to, I literally said, run me my money back, Mitch. Please. Yeah. So I'm waiting to hear back for them. I want my money back. I'm, I'm livid, to be honest. Because, yeah. So that's my mat. Okay. And um, my glad is that I guess, like, you know what? I'm just generally quite happy at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I'm just on good vibes. And the world is opening up a little bit more. And I'm very happy. Cool, Auntie Farah. Um, I am sad that Ashley Kane and Sophia, the parents of the young, um, was it Azalea Kane? Was that her name? That died recently, are getting backlash from dickheads online because they've decided to use the money that was raised for her treatment. They've decided to use some of it for her funeral and the rest of it, they're starting a charity. And there are people online coming after them, calling them out, saying that that's not what the money was intended for. You need to give it back. These are people that have lost their daughter. I think they raised like 100,000 or something like that. It could be more, but they raise a lot of money. Um, and, you know, even if they used 10%, Sideman mentioned this as well. Again, Sideman's getting props today. But even if they used like 10% of that money for her funeral, the rest of the money, they're starting a charity, which will no doubt go into looking into people, to children who suffer from the same thing that she suffered from. And there are people online coming for them. And most of these people you probably know didn't even give no charity, didn't even give no money, and they're chatting. These people have gone through so much, they've lost their daughter, and they want to start a, a fund. They, fuck, just, just shut up. Just leave them alone. Back off leave them alone okay that's my sad also slightly mad but i'm sad that people are so disgusting that that's what they're going to do during this time of grief for this couple um i am mad at turtle bay <laughs> because like come better than that man go to any caribbean restaurant take away whatever you want across the country you're never going to see watermelon on the menu with their food. You don't get 
a couple of you don't get a portion of planting and a watermelon the two don't <laughs> go it doesn't happen okay that's my mad and i am glad because it's officially my birthday month it's my birthday it's my birthday it's my birthday month 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 and um i've just got some big things coming this month um lockdown is is slowly easing from next week we can actually go inside of a restaurant sit down and be served without your food blown away or feeling like <laughs> you're hoodie and you're cold or can we find a place that i've got a heater so i'm really really looking forward to that auntie Shade's plans for us to go somewhere i'm looking forward to the aunties getting out and doing the damn thing i'm looking forward to just enjoying the months of may the month of may shall i say yes auntie nana okay um yes i'm sad that it was ty's one year anniversary uh on saturday um yeah that that just the year just seemed to come so fast and it really um yeah, just it, I spent quite a few moments in the day whenever you kind of scroll or I um, went on to Zoom and um, there was like a tribute for him. And yeah, it was just quite an emotional time. So I had that. And then I watched and for the life of me, it's just gone out of my head. It's a documentary on on Netflix. Uh, I think it's called My Mother's garden or in my mother's garden it, it's flipping brilliant I'll, I'll find it and I'll put it in the comments but definitely please watch this documentary it's one of the best things ever it's really a celebration of women talking about their mothers their grandmothers their generational lines um African spirituality self-love it's just one of the best documentaries out there at this moment and I'm watching it feeling so emotional watching this documentary for the beauty of it. It's just like, this is, oh, this is brilliant. Like if, as a young, as a young teenager, this is what I would want to watch on TV. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was in my bag about that, but they went to Brooklyn and then it just made me think of Simone. And then her name comes up in the credits and I was like, oh, look at that as a sign. So again, that sent me off. So. Yeah, lots of tears these last few days. Um, similarly, mad about Ashley Kane, just like that. Just the, just the power of people who probably didn't give any money, like dragging somebody down when they've lost a baby. That like, it's just like, come on, they were fighting for that young child's life, and you don't know what this charity is gonna do. You you have no clue. It was a lot of money. It was like close to a million that is left that they, they had managed to raise. But again, it's like you don't know what that charity is going to do. And for people to just jump on a story and want to tear somebody down, it's just, yeah, it's maddening what type of humans are populating this earth. But I'm super glad that Nico came fifth in the London mayoral's elections. I was very proud of him. Although he didn't get his... um his deposit back but for an independent to run and you know shake things up a bit I'm really proud of him so that made me thoroughly glad this week uh I'm sad also about ties one year um be also because it was the, the they had some celebration celebratory events in Brixton which I wanted to make but I couldn't because it was also one of my good friends mum's funeral and 
much love to the Palmer family. Um, Vilda Palmer was one of my first, like, you know, you have your group of best friends. She was one of their mums and she, you know, it was her Saturday suit. First time I had Jamaican Saturday suit was in her house and it's the best. And um, I remember, I mean, she lost her life to cancer and she's just always a wonderful woman. And she, I used to do her hair once in a while when I could. And in her later time, um, I gifted her some headscarves from Love Yaya and she was so happy with them. And she said that, you know, they're the best headscarves. They feel soft against my skin. And it's when she was going through chemo and stuff like that. So she was so um, happy and I just felt like I could do something nice for her. Um, but the only thing I regret is that I, she wanted me to show how to wrap them, but she did a good job. I sent her two batches. Um, she did a good job, but she wanted me to come and show her and I never made it down. Um, so that I have a little bit of regret with that, but I still got her text when she was like, thank you so much for the headscarves. They're so lovely. Um, so yeah, so thank you indirectly. Um, love you as well. But um, yeah, man. So that made me sad and I, I wanted to be able to go down to ties, but you know, it was that funeral took me out. Um, then I'm mad uh, because Facebook is getting my freaking nerves. Why don't you let us share videos and images in one post? Why would you remove that functionality? I don't understand what it does to anybody, why we cannot share a video and a still image in one post. It's so frustrating. Go on. No, I hate Facebook too. I was just going to ask you, have you done it via Instagram and then shared two at the same time and it's still done? Yeah, it? you can't do that either. Oh, wow. You can't. So there's That's so annoying. It was, and I know when Facebook first started, I remember I used to share everything. I don't, unless they say, no, we've never, but especially as a business and nature of the work that we do, sometimes I don't have a video for every damn image. And sometimes I do a mixture of posts that need, require both formats. I don't understand what it does. Why would you, no other platform does that. Why would you not allow us to share in one post videos and stills? I don't understand. I just want someone from Facebook to give me that answer because it makes, it's illogical to me. Unless it's an actual, I don't even understand. I don't even want to excuse that tech because you're big old, money bags facebook there's no i don't understand it's done anyways that made me it makes me mad all the time i'm hoping they're gonna change it i don't know and also someone tagged me in a post of a old post of back in the day of a black woman that was going door to door of white hair salons asking them why they don't do afro don't do afro hair and i think shout out to auntie cindy she um commented under my comment it's a three years old post the work the woman was doing it on behalf of stylist magazine i remember thinking like middle finger to you for doing this I just hate it on all fronts. Maybe something that we discuss at a later front, but don't, please, not a black woman going to knock on white hair salons to beg them to do their hair. Get out of town, man. Um, and I'm glad that the sun is sticking around. Even though I haven't been out much, I just feel like, can we just stick to one element and let's be, let it be sun and not all the winter? Because the other day I went to the shop and I was had my puffer on and I was baking by the time I got to the shop. So let's, let's allow it because it looks overcast, but I feel like the sun's sticking around more. And that's it. That's my sad, mad, glad. I think it's... Okay. Um, we have one from Ronald. Um, he says, no particular sad, mad or glad, but when is the next auntie's after dark? Cool. We'll be back with more notices in due course. We should have done an auntie's do SWV and escape. We should have done that. Because that shit really? was the shit. They could, yeah, really. They could have had us singing again, <laughs> like we did for Brandy and Monica. I, mean, I don't know why that one just didn't grab me. I know I love so Escape, good. like love them, but it just didn't grab me at all. 
It was so good. But um, Antoinette sent a comment quickly. Okay, so only Glad's this week. Glad Ty had such an outpouring of love and joy on Friday when we gathered together to celebrate him and commemorate his passing. Glad I've ordered some lovely t-shirts from Love Yaya, which I'm excited to receive. And glad I've just received my wireless Bose headphones so I can listen to the aunties whilst in the gym. Woo! <laughs> and thank you for your purchase. And um, before we go, Auntie Shadow. Oh, it's me. Okay. Um, what? So, hit list or something, right? Oh my god, I am not prepared. Let me just say that now. Okay, so <laughs> have I done this before? Oh, maybe I've done this before. That's okay. Okay, cool. Right. So, I recently got my hair done, as you can see. Um, and um, and I really hate when the hairdresser asks me to pass them the hair. You've like, done this one before. Oh, you've done this one. Yeah, she's done it, but it's worth doing again. It's fine, because I think it's worth doing again. There are certain ones that are worth raising more than once. Have I done the cigarette one as well? Yeah. That one? Yeah. Oh, what else do I do? <laughs> That's like fair stuff. I know you've gotten more gripes in you than this. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, you know what? What else did I like? Um, I think you might have to come back to me another time. Yeah, know? no problem. We'll come back another time. No worries. <laughs> no, yeah. We've had a long, fruitful show. Anyway. I'm in too good a mood. I don't have any. Yeah, we've we've yeah. had a long, fruitful show. It's been a good show. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to or watching Your Aunties Could Never, episode six. I don't think I said the number 61 this week or 62. I can't, I've lost count. 61, I think we're on. 61. Well done. Thanks for supporting. Older than our ages, finally. <laughs> Thank, you know. Thank you for listening, watching, supporting. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and be back here next week at 5 p.m. Sometimes it might change because life. So it might be 5 p.m., might be 6 p.m., but we will give you due warning. But usually it's 5 p.m. UK time. Come and join us. Come and support us and get more of your aunties could never. Thank you. Bye. Bye.